what's up everybody welcome back to never watch alone where you'll never have to watch a movie alone again i'm your host tim lifeite and uh don't worry i'm not talking like this throughout the whole episode i'm just here to do the intro because i burn those cockroaches ha <laughs> i assure you i'm done <laughs> um so uh that said we're doing a very special and very probably one of the most famous gangster movies I've ever made brian de palma's scarface not the howard hawks version I assure you, and uh, real excited to do that. And joining me, as always, is my good buddy Sean. How are you doing, Sean? You oh, I'm all right. Uh, I mean, I'm not unexcited. I came to this too late. That's oh, really? all there is to it. Um, I did not see this when I was young, and by the time I saw it, it was long after all the hype was out there, and you know, it's this icon of the of of rap and all this kind of stuff, and it was an icon of rap at a point where rap had moved beyond me. I really loved, you know, uh, early gangster rap in the early 90s. I grew up out in San Diego. I uh, had a lot of connection to that music. Um, basically, following, you know, the death of, like, Tupac and Biggie and, like, where mm. rap headed to, I kind of lost connection with the that genre for probably 10 to 15 years before I redeveloped a love for it and I've kind of come back to it. So... It was at this time where it's like the iconography around it and the culture around it had no interest to me. I ended up watching it. It's it was a fine movie, but it was it's kind of like I had seen all the other great gangster movies by this point. And so this just didn't supplant anything for me. Yeah, it's one of those movies that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you know, us geeky star wars nerds uh it's kind of like empire strikes back and where like all potency that luke is darth vader's father is just gone out the window from like childbirth because it's so overexposed and out there like it, the the uh the Im the imitators and the inspirations and the parodies all of that is overtly consumed by the actual thing right you now um and of course it, it, and of uh, course now, of course, the, I know a lot of you listening like, shut up and talk about the actual movie. Like, uh, uh, if you want to just go straight to the uh, the commentary, as always, there's a uh, commentary. There's a sync button below that will let s set it up. But, uh, yeah, go, uh, my experience about the movie uh, is always been uh, that, you, you know, when growing up as a teenager, I was learning about, like, all these uh, – all these different genres and all these classic films, and you know this one was obviously up there for a long time. Uh, and I, I actually remember I got way into it because I think I saw it entirely when I was like thirteen or fourteen, and it was kind of a cool thing for me um, because you know I was uh, <laughs> I went to a private uh, Lutheran school for the first ten years of my life before um, having my ears ripped over my head and thrust into the cold barren and uncaring world of public high school <laughs> so um so uh, when i was watching scarface you know when i was in eighth grade i was like "Ooh, this is really edgy and i shouldn't be watching this but i like it <laughs> i even wound up uh this is like when i started getting into illustration because uh, in high school there weren't really a whole lot of applications to learn about film so I was learning about every other kind of art form. I was, you know, taking drawing classes and painting and sculpting and all these other different things. And that was the only way I could, you know, figure out a way to express myself. And I did a couple, I know I did at least two or three 
pencil sketches of Tony Montana, and I think I still have them. I'm not entirely sure. If if I do, um, if you're watching on YouTube, boom, here's a picture. And if there's no picture there, that means I didn't find it. But if there is, if there is, and you're on YouTube and you're listening to us here, there it is. Um, and here's the, and uh, <laughs> or here they are rather, or as many as I could find. I don't know. I just I'm just figuring that we we don't plan anything, Sean, do we? We, we really we're... don't. And I'm gonna <laughs> give you a delightful. I'm gonna give you a really weird delightful tangent. So have fun with this. Okay. So you know, uh, you had to take uh, art class uh, in my school as well. Uh, in eighth grade, everyone had to do the same art project, like everyone in the school, which was. You had to crush a can and, you know, do a drawing of it next to something else. I can't even remember. But oh, like a still knew, life. Yeah, but everyone knew you were going to have to do a crush can still life. Well, I had the very good fortune that at the time, uh, I want to say, I gosh, what was it? Um, maybe they, I think they had just re-released the, uh, the special editions of the trilogy in theaters. Oh, for Star Wars? Yeah. So, I thought so this was, was like, like 90, 97, 98? Yeah, yeah, 97. So um, I got one of the Pepsi cans that had Vader on it. Oh! crushed it in just such a way so it's like folded backwards. So I just used it as an excuse to get to draw Darth Vader very accurately. Nice. Because <laughs> it's just like I have to do art and I don't like, like I'm, I'm a writer. I'm not a visual artist. And you're going to make me do visual art. I'm like... Screw it. I'm going to make Star Wars part of it because it's Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, man. It's, it's crazy how, like, you know, those things that either have grabbed us when we were little kids or things that, you know, grabbed us at that time, which, you know, in my case was this movie. Um, we incorporate that into our art projects in school. Um, and you know what was really cool? My art teacher was, like, totally about that. He's like... You're drawing Tony Montana at the end of Scar. Right on. That's that's fucking dope, man. Like, let keep get keep at it. That that's awesome. So, uh, yeah. And even though, again, like this isn't like one of my favorite movies or anything. Like, I, I've moved on. Like, I mean, come on. Like, everyone talks about, oh, this, this movie drops the f bomb more than anything. Dude, come on. Have you seen The Wolf of Wall Street? Like, Jesus Christ. Boondock Saints. Boondock Saints. As a matter of fact, I there is I although apparently not... at the time this may have been like the most f bomb. Oh, it was. It totally was because I was about to say, uh, and I'm putting a link to it in the description below, just because it's so much fun to look at. Um, but there is a Wikipedia article of list of films that most frequently use the word fuck, uh, <laughs> and I think it's got like the top you know 120, 130 films uh, in the last. Uh, now, Scarface is the oldest movie on that list. So that's a real milestone. But I think it's like in the, oh, it's not even in the top 50 anymore. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, we've gotten pretty liberal, especially since Martin Scorsese came on the scene, you know? Like, ever since, like, Goodfellas, Casino, Wolf of Wall Street, yeah, like, come on, man. The, the 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 frequent use of the f bomb is is not it's not really like a a thing anymore. I mean, hell, okay, I think so even I, pulp hold, fiction. Hold on, I gotta say, I, I I pulled that up just because, like, why wouldn't I when you mentioned it? <laughs> and like, you know what? Like, 
props to fucking Spike Lee having one of the top five. I oh I know right. <laughs> what was that? Uh, um, Summer of Sam. Yeah, that's yeah. Summer of Sam, man. Like they, Although I'm actually kind of amazed that uh, Adam Sandler of all people kind of dethroned him for a little while because Uncut Gems came out and I'm just like, uh, I'm, I'm damn. not, dude. I'm not surprised at all. Adam Sandler's dramatic work is insane. Yeah, Uncut Gems is a movie I never want to watch again. But his performance is fantastic. Yeah, it's it's a it's a. It's, I actually remember watching that movie, and I know we're not talking about this movie. That Scarface. We're all over the place. Oh, here. we're all over the that, place. That's, that's if, if you that's, come here and you listen to this <laughs> intro part of our show and expect us to be on point, well, this is your first time here, and welcome. I know, right? We're all over the place, man. We 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 are like you, you, we are verbal herpes. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Um, you know, but, you can associate yourself however you want. I. <laughs> okay, so I, don't, I guess I don't speak for both of us. But you know, yeah, like Uncut Gems. I watched that for the fir- watched that once. Don't think I'm gonna watch it again. Loved it, but Jesus Christ. Uh, and I actually was, you know, talking to my fiance because she she didn't watch it with me. I watched it by myself, and she was like, "How was it?" I'm like, "It was fucking great," but I don't think you're gonna be able to watch it, dear, because. That is an extremely stressful movie, and she was. It, it's one of those days where it was just like a you know really tough because she's like the breadwinner, uh, and uh, she uh, was like, yeah, I'm probably not gonna watch it then. <laughs> for less like, stressful, I got excellent. For less stressful, excellent performances by Adam Sandler. You may also want to check out Spanglish, Rain Over Me, or Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I you know what? I also weirdly liked him a lot in The Longest Yard. I, I, I don't know. It was uh, not a I good mean, movie. That, that again, we're, I'm, I was talking more dramatic, less comedic. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, For, Spanglish as as... Is, is kind of dangling because it's a comedy, but it's not Sandler doing his brand of comedy. So. Yes. Yes. It's like Sandler reserved, which is so fucking refreshing every once in a while. It's, well, it's just like, holy crap. Like, he plays it like when he wants to act and do stuff. And overall, like, he's when he wants to act seriously and not just play in his sandbox he can do great work yeah now not not that his sandbox is always bad work some of it is quite good some of it's eh, it just depends on your tastes well you know who has a weirdly uh, alternative uh and i'm gonna be able to bring this back around to scarface i promise you people we should <laughs> get back around to scarface well no i was gonna say um there is another person who kind of does the sort of that same uh thing or rather uh he he's he can do pretty much no wrong, even in absolute horrible shit. Like it, we were talking about Adam Sandler, Jack and Jill, that is a piece of shit comedy. But guess who's the best part in Jack and Jill, Sean? Al fucking Pacino. <laughs> huh. I have, I have not seen Jack and Jill because I have I, I have I have not actually sat down and seen it. I have seen reviews of it. But everyone says Al Pacino is the best thing in Jack and Jill, proving once again, literally anything that Al Pacino is, he is probably he steals the show. Uh, like I'm trying to think of some of my favorite Al Pacino performances. Obviously, you know, there's Scent of a Woman, which I think is his absolute best. Um, I know Scarface. He always said this is his favorite that he's played, but I enjoyed seeing him as the devil and devil's advocate. Uh, oh, great, you know, great movie! Oh my God, so he's so fun. 
he's so when he like gets shot in multiple times by Keanu Reeves, he's like, oh, oh, yeah, get me, oh, wow, yeah, step it up, son, give it up, that's good, <laughs> like, shit. I, I would like to point out the fact that he speaks more Spanish in The Devil's Advocate than Then he Charlotte. does in, yes, he does in this movie, he has, like, what, one line of Spanish, and he's supposed to be straight-up Cuban, and, uh, you know, I know a lot of people, like, make fun of it, like, there's a lot of parodies and whatnot, but Pacino is... Uh, you know, I'll probably talk about it more in the episode, but uh, yeah, we, we might as well actually just get on rolling on this. Yeah, let's do it. What do you say? Because uh, um, I'm actually curious. Uh, now, are you watching like a Blu-ray rip or something like that? Yes. Okay, because uh, there is like just two things that I wanted to note beforehand. Um, is that uh, the Blu-ray, which I, I imagine what most people are going to be listening to us with this, because, like, you know, all, like almost everyone who's anybody has, like, a copy of this in their, somewhere in their library. Uh, and uh, usually what you'll be hearing is a remastered audio track. I, I've actually heard both audio tracks for the film. I've heard the audio track from the 80s, which, you know, uses the old gun sounds like, pew, pew, you know. Uh, but now they've done a remix and a remaster. Like that's actually like one of the few th times where I'm like okay with remasters, where it's like they clean up the film and they make it look a, a, a lot, you know, just cleaner and not actually change or edit anything out like fucking George Lucas does. Sorry, George, <laughs> I love you. I love you, George, but dude, what the fuck? Um, uh, but they'll uh, literally, like, he replaced the entire sound effects library. So, like, the, the gunshots and explosions and uh, a lot of the, the, uh, the, the mix just sounds a lot cleaner and a little bit more modern. Uh, but if you ever get a chance, see it with the old track. Like, it's because it adds to that 80s vibe. Like, uh, I, I remember I watched Terminator for the first time like on VHS and it had the old, you know, uh, library sound effects from the eighties and, uh, uh, and all the subsequent, you know, Blu-ray and DVD releases, it all had the, the remaster track. And I'm like, Hey, wait a minute. That doesn't sound like the eighties anymore. It sounds like <laughs> this whole, and I kind of miss that. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you can, I really recommend checking it out. And if you also have, like I do, I, I have the, uh, the platinum DVD edition of the movie, and this might be on the Blu-ray, I could be wrong, but there is a version on, on this disc where you can watch it with the Scarface scorecard, where I shit you not, it has a scorecard at the bottom of the screen that counts the amount of F-bombs and the amount of bullets fired. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. It's actually a really fun way to watch the movie. So if you have like a Blu-ray or a DVD copy that has that, I honestly suggest watching it with that because it's 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 actually a lot of fun. It's a because it, Scarface is is over the top, but it's like watching Tony Hawk go over the top. He does it with skill <laughs> and pride and style to the point where it's aesthetically pleasing and not cringy at all. You know. I think that's how uh, Roger Ebert described Al Pacino's entire performance in this movie. Is that, yeah, it's over the top, but dude, this over the top is where fucking to Tony Montana lives, man. <laughs> yeah, so I guess just take that into a little account before you 
pop the movie in. So I hope you got it, uh, you know, either on uh, uh, DVD or Blu-ray or, hell, even if you have, like, you know, the old versions of VHS. And God help you if you have the old uh, pan and scan uh, uh, versions, which, yeah. Um, but uh, I believe uh, it's – I don't know if it's on Netflix or anywhere. Do you know? Cause, I don't think so at the moment. Well, if you don't have a Blu-ray or DVD, you can always, you know, buy it on Vudu or Apple TV or um, Amazon. I don't know. I don't think it's streaming anywhere, at least as of this recording. But either way, we are starting the movie in five, four, three, two, one, click. And right away, we got the uh, Universal logo, man, with uh, the excellent excellent score by uh, uh oh man i can never pronounce his name properly uh uh Giorgio morarder i think that's how you say it uh but either way i love the score to this movie not just the uh or or just not the just the soundtrack but the whole score like the the synth 80s kind of vibe mm-hmm. to it um which has this demonic leisure to it i think is the <laughs> it's because it, it's you know it gives you that sense of luxury but it has the darkness of you know all the sin of you know these kind of cr- crime lords are associated with now i also really love the uh, the backdrop that they open with like this is a this was a real thing with the uh, uh, the Mariar boat lift, mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, and I really really love the the idea of just taking like, you know, all of these old contemporaries and just modernizing things. Because um, now I mean we've seen that done a thousand times, but you know, in uh, in 1983 this kind of this kind of shit was a little revolutionary almost or yeah. I, I, idealized thinking. Because um, I think you uh, probably know this, but uh, they wanted to do like just a straight reboot of the original 1932 uh, Howard Hawks movie. Um, yeah, you said it. They wanted it, you know, in the original 1930s Chicago setting and everything. Um, but they're like, no, that's way too expensive. Plus, <laughs> we've had so many great Italian gangster mob movies like we are drowning in that shit we don't need another there have been so many that have been done so well it'll feel stale if we go that route and they were right uh so to go and and also i think this is isn't this like weirdly the movie that kind of sort of but not really glamorized the miami scene uh, I don't know enough about that to make a call. I know there was definitely a lot of protests going on at the time because the people of Miami and the Cuban community were not happy with uh, oh, what they no. heard about the movie and were not in favor of it being made. No. Yeah. As a matter of fact, that's probably why most of this movie was shot in L.A. and not Miami. Right. <laughs> uh but I think weirdly the cultural impact has kind of stipulated that glamorousness that uh, 
we think of you know Miami and uh, all that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, but I mean, at the same time, there was a lot of stuff creating that vibe at the time. Oliver I mean, Stone, man. I don't know when Miami Vice was popular. I know it was in the eighties. I don't know if it was before or after this film. So. I think it was after this, honestly, because um, then this this may have been the inception point. I'm not sure. Oh, it has to have been because I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm actually going to look look it up because I'm very, very cute. No, yeah, this was, matter of fact, this was right after uh, um, uh, Scarface. Miami Vice, the, the show, uh, was 1984. This movie was 1983. So I'm 99% sure that this movie was a huge influence on that. Um, and plus, uh, you know, the... Uh, more, I think, even more than Miami Vice, this movie is the way just you know pretty much set the entire uh, uh, tone for Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, especially when it came to you know the excellent Miami Vice game. Um, by the way, did you know that uh, there's a sequel to this this movie in the form of a GTA clone? I did not. It's called Scarface, The World is Yours. I played a little bit of it. Um, oh, yeah, I heard about that back in the Yeah, day. It's, uh, it's about, uh, it's, it literally starts at the end of the movie with the gun sh- shooting where he survive, where you play as Tony and you get to survive that gun sh- uh, shootout and escape with absolutely nothing and you have to retake your empire bit by bit by bit and then eventually kill Sosa until the world is yours again. <laughs> Which is kind of a cool concept for a video game, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a to- it's like a hundred percent knockoff of you know uh, every Grand Theft Auto game ever. Uh, I, I really love the camera work for the interrogation. Oh and yeah, the fact that they're not showing the faces of the interrogators. It's no, all no. on him. Well, yeah, because again, this movie is it really is all about him. You know it. That's just how gangster, gangsters are. Like they're they're all about themselves and all about their fucking image and their fucking way of life, you know. And I also love how this is a little bit of a callback to uh, Carlito's way, because the guy, because if you don't know, the guy who uh, played opposite to to, to Pacino and Carlito's way. That's totally the guy who's uh, dubbing over these uh, these officers. Mm. Now, is this now? I, I gotta ask Sean because I know you've seen this a couple of times. Uh, but is this probably the perfect sum uh, perfect sum up of or car- a perfect caricature of the American dream? I don't know if I would say perfect, but I would say it's definitely is an example of a caricature of the American dream. Yeah, because, boy, I think uh, George Carlin, uh, George Carlin said it best is that, you know, it is the they call it the American dream because you have to be asleep to believe it. Yeah. And Tony is one who. definitely buys into that 
because he like every he like every other refugee and every other yeah you know, even every other citizen just that we we're all asleep to the fact that this the excess and the uh the want to need for more and more and more it's just going to eventually cave into us and if you don't yeah. believe me just look at the late stage capitalism dystopia we're in now <laughs> you know that's a prime example of that shit and then we have Stephen Bowers character man old Manny the only Cubano in the entire cast actually <laughs> <laughs> but hey man like apparently that's his like uh, authentic Cuban, Cuban descent uh, is what landed him the role in the first place and uh, it landed him like some other really cool roles later on. Like, did you ever, you ever see that uh, he, he's in Breaking Bad as like the uh, the chief Don? Mm. Oh yeah, and, like well, that's because you know Breaking Bad has tons and tons of references to this movie, and I'm all also just like a huge fan of Breaking Bad. I love and, that show. And, and honestly, that could also be why I don't have such a connection to this film is that. I really enjoy the more traditional gangster movies and I've never um, I've never been a huge fan of the films that are glamorizing the drug trade. You know what's weird? I don't think this actually glamorizes it really. Well, I mean it it does at a point like his massive success that he achieves. It's like the- I think it's in, like, those really great montages that we'll see later on in the, the, the film. That, that's where it really does. But ultimately, I think this is kind of in the, made in the same uh, essence that Scorsese's gangster movies are done, where he's like, look, I'm not trying to be glamorous or anything. I'm just trying to be honest. And this movie is, to, to many extents, is that, you know, these these people aren't, um you know bad characters doing bad things they're do they're just criminals who happen to be doing criminal things right but whether or not i'm not saying it's necessarily the intention of this movie but that's what cultural that's what the culture around it turned it into yeah a little bit i because mean, again it's movies like this and the godfather uh, and, uh, you know, all these other really great gangs, gang films, they've been so consumed by the parodies and the imitators, the inspirers, and all these, you know, all these, these influences that it becomes, it, it, what once was so innovative has now become just pedestrian, you know? It's, 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 it's so commonplace that it doesn't uh, that it doesn't really have that same impact that it uh, did when it was first released. Um, and by the way, have you read about some of the other uh, reactions uh, when this movie was first released? Yes, it's, yes, I they're have. kind of hilarious, aren't they? <laughs> like, uh, oh man, like I remember Dustin Hoffman went to a screening and uh, he. Uh, Apparently he fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, but the, uh, apparently Scorsese went to one, and he was like, 
you did a great job, but Hollywood's gonna hate it because this is about them. And you know what? He's fucking right. He is right. And you know, I can. Uh, that's the other thing. I was like, I, I'm kind of amazed that Scorsese didn't make this movie. <laughs> you know, c- God, c- dude, can you imagine uh, a movie written by Oliver Stone, directed by Martin Scorsese? Like, holy well, I shit. I can tell you, Stone should definitely stick to writing and sp- rather than behind the camera. Oh, really? You're not a fan of his directorial work? I really am not. I I actually With the li- exception of Platoon. I like Platoon. That's like end of list. Oh, you didn't? What about JFK? I think JFK is a great film. Eh, it's all right. Did you see the director's cut or the uh, theatrical cut? I'm curious. Theatrical. Ah, Check out the director's cut. It's longer, but you get more questions and it gets more in-depth. And I think it's the superior version. That's just me. But uh, anyway, the thing about Scarface, like, uh, man, you know, this shit feels almost too real nowadays because of uh, what's going on. Not at the uh, Miami-Cuban border, but at the uh, the, uh, the the Texas-Mexico borders. Yeah. Oh, shit. How easy is it to just kill this guy in in the middle of all this chaos? And, you know, that's a, here's another thing that I really... Oh, shit! Damn! You know the old saying that we'll kill to to get a, a green card or a citizenship uh. in this country? There's your proof. Oh, shit. You know, I just, it's just, it, uh, just listening to the score and that synth, that dread of synth, um, it really goes to show just how much I really love the movies from the eighties that, cause honestly, you know, you don't, you don't hear music quite like that anymore. Yeah, I mean, it depends where you look, but in, in film scores, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it, it, cause it's a real cool aesthetic. I think the, uh, the last movie to use that kind of eighties synth really effectively, I think was like, uh, with Nicholas Winding Refn with drive. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so he's killed a man to get into this country, and now he's working a stiff dead end job just to make ends meet. But of course, he's a wise guy. He knows that ain't gonna get him to the top. <laughs> you know. I- the weird thing is, I kind, I kind of relate to that. Is that is that ba- does that make me bad, Sean? Is that you know working a, de- a shitty service job that doesn't pay enough, knowing that I could be doing something better, knowing that, like I'm not saying I'm better than anyone out there. I just think I'm worth more than that. Is it well, weird that I, I mean, relate to this guy now? <laughs> it this is, are, I mean, are you not really welcome to the despair of modern America? Yeah, where service industry reigns supreme, 
And by reigning supreme, it means it's the most dominant service right out there, and it, it uses that dominance to fuck their employees straight up the ass. Yep. Uh, but yeah, man, I've been there. Looking down at my hands. Just sitting down. And I say, <laughs> just sitting down trying to, uh, trying to fi- catch my breath. <laughs> oh boy. And of course, if you want to make it in this country cuz I've 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 been trying, man, just working my way up in uh just the uh, the film industry. And this is tough even when you've got like a huge following on YouTube, which I do not have if you look at the current <laughs> subscriber count on this channel. <laughs> Uh, but it's tough, man. Like you got to know the right people in order to get, uh, to get working on and move up, move up the line. Cause really in this country, whether it's with entertainment or drugs or which by the way, are not entirely mutually exclusive by the way. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you've got to know people and you just kind of fail upwards in that. It's true in Hollywood. It's, it's true just about in any real profession to be honest you know i'm actually really curious uh how do you feel about al pacino in this movie like at least in comparison to his other roles i mean i think he does a great job with it i mean he's certainly the reason to watch the movie it's just (laughs) (laughs) see that's another great reason why uh uh al pacino playing tony so over the top is because literally he's one giant bluff yeah and if you're not gonna be if you're he's bluffing he ain't got nothing He's a fucking dishwasher, man, and he's right. talking to this drug lord like he's some. But he's not. A, but the, the the thing is, he's just not afraid. <laughs> I just casually doing coke. Well, yeah, man, it's the eighties. I mean, shit. I was like, yeah, you're smelling. <laughs> damn yeah but seriously man his like al pacino in this movie he is one giant bluff that pays off yeah and well but i mean he's a bluff but he also isn't and by that i mean he's clearly willing to kill so he's just someone who right but he's like give me your give me the opportunity i want or i will kill you now, that will also kill his opportunity, but it just shows where his head's at. <laughs> Jeez. 
Not gonna lie though, I, you know, I kind of want to try that guy's Cubano's sandwiches now. <laughs> you ever had a really good Cubano? It's been a long time, but I have. <laughs> oh shit, man! You got? Don't get distracted. <laughs> <laughs> Man, don't get distracted. We got a job to do. Bullshit, this is L.A. <laughs> but I will say this. The uh, the set decorators, the way they do, like uh, revamp the street like this, they did, but, I, I, don't, I don't know. They, they, it does actually kind of feel a little bit like uh, Miami. Well, you know, it's uh, you got the palm trees everywhere, which helps. Yes, it does a lot. I mean, you can't make Ohio look like L.A. or Miami. <laughs> no, no, well, you can, but it takes a lot of skill and a lot of money. <laughs> mm. You know what's it's funny is that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you ever all watch uh, uh, Gabriel Iglesias's uh, stand-up? Oh yeah. And how he talks about how he always wears a Hawaiian shirt, mostly because they fit. But also, you can't t you can't go into uh, you can't look like you're up to no good wearing a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> I don't think Gabriel Iglesias has seen this movie because <laughs> because man, he looks like what well, or or. Or he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt to catch everyone who, on the street off guard. So he doesn't look like he's up to something, <laughs> but he is up to something. It's deception, man. That's how you work it. That's, that's how you operate on the streets. Oh, yeah, I forget. That. Oh, man, what was playing on that TV? Looks like an old TV show or whatnot. I forget. Marta has seen some shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> Although she's about to see some real interesting shit to come, man. Because I think, uh, I, I think this was like legend to be like one of the most, the biggest reasons why this got an X rating uh, back in the day. Also, newsflash: X ratings were a thing back in the day. Remember yeah. those kids? Also, interesting fact. Uh, so they edited this two times. So the third time they fought, they still got an X rating. They did an appeal, brought in experts and got permission to get an R because the experts were like literally law enforcement. That's like, no, this is how it fucking is out there. And though, here's the fun. Once he got permission, he tried to get them to let him release his original cut. They said, no, he, but he did it anyway. He did it anyway, figuring that nobody would notice, and they fucking yeah. didn't. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I think he admitted it, like, uh, almost two months after the fact, and he was like, well, fuck. <laughs> it, was a, it was a bit later than that. It was uh, when they did the video release, finally. Oh, like, okay. Oh, yeah, no. Nah. Like, like, no, I didn't cut that Man, shit. <laughs> dude, Manny needs to, like, put his dick away, because, like, they are on the clock, man. Right.
Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Look behind. Oh, fuck. Too late. Ah, shit. Set up. Double crossed. You know, I think that's the other big appeal to, uh, you know, the rap and hip hop culture for Tony Montana is of how fucking cool he is throughout these situations. You know, it's that it's that it's the it's something that dates back all the way to ancient times where, you know, these warriors on uh, either in the uh, the streets or on the field of battle, they would just show no fear and no emotion in yep. the light of these. And that is weirdly inspiring. And usually for the most horrible things. Oh, shit, dude. Also, I submit to you, it's I don't care how loud you make that TV. Yeah. Someone's going to notice something when you rev up a fucking chainsaw in your I bathroom. I agree. Like, you had better... Honestly... Look, because those old TVs, they did not have, like, the peak sound systems that we have now. <laughs> if, if, it, if it was, like, if this movie was made, you know, in 2006 or beyond when we had, like, a shitload of that, nah. But maybe they would be able to get away with it with the sound systems, but nah. Dude, Manny, for real, you're on the clock. Put your dick away. Right? It's, like, not very professional. No. Although, you know what's fucked up? and crazy that i i just knew about this learned about this uh right before we went on the show that woman in the bikini yeah yeah she disappeared after this movie yep it's like a uh still a not weird, found it, it, it's yeah she's still she's still missing and it, it, her the mystery the circumstances surrounding it is uh just super weird and it's one of those cold case sort of things so um maybe i'll find a uh a, a uh, another podcaster who talks about it and put a link in the description because it's interesting but oh shit damn hey manny wake up your friend is getting sawed in half and not right, in the magic, right. and not in the magic kind of way. How does he not hear that though? For real. Oh fuck! Eat your heart out, Hitchcock. Am I right? <laughs> you know, I know we. Another thing we joke about is like pre nine eleven days, where you know you would never see something like this. But yeah, it was pre nine eleven, and no one was looking around for you know dudes who just casually hi tr uh, poorly hiding an Uzi and walking into a building. Well, I mean, people weren't looking out for that sort of thing, man different times well some people were some people weren't depends where you were living 
shit. Yeah, I don't care how loud that TV is. Well, but see, that's also part of the problem. Like, you have a really loud TV, then you're not going to hear when your people get rolled up on. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit! Damn! Ah! Oh, okay, that should have... That, that right there should... Oh, fuck! Damn! And he's still got the chainsaw, which for some reason makes me laugh. <laughs> Especially with that. W okay, oh. why isn't that woman called the cops? Because <laughs> I'm just like, can you imagine that woman just trying to watch TV and all of a sudden a dude with a chainsaw just bursts through your door? Shit, man. Oh, and this line right here. Chi-Chi. Chi-Chi, get the yeah yo An entire song, an entire culture was riffed on that. Because I think, because, uh, you, you know, that it's it's so strange because, like, oh, and this, hang on. I, I actually just really love this moment here where he just kills him out in the fucking broad daylight in the open. No mask, no nothing, but with the intensity. Damn! Damn, that was cold. But no, what I was going to say is, uh, it, it, yeah, yeah, yo. That whole shit, man, like that, that wasn't like an actual drug term. But you better believe it became a drug term after this movie. Well, she, uh, apparently he picked it up doing research while hanging out with, uh, with, with Cubans. Mm -hmm. And so he used it and the director liked it and they just kept going yeah for real and honestly he was right because it just it's like look it doesn't sound like it's a, a slang for drugs or anything or i mean it, it it's not actually a thing like you there's know no what? connection schneef doesn't sound like it either but there you go yeah exactly it's or it's sort of like the other logic with uh like a blade runner you know blade run uh, and they're like that just sounds cool but <laughs> like they they don't use blades all and <laughs> or anything like it it's just like sh like as to why they're called blade runners even though they technically just hunt down robots and whatnot sh the the real reason is shut up it sounds cool <laughs> same reason for the yayo and you know what uh, um it's one of those things where uh it's not uh art imitating life it's life imitating art because uh, I know God, for a, this is so eighties. Oh, I know, right? Look at that in fucking interior. The mo like the art, the modern art sculptures and the minimalist shit on the wall. It's oh god, what? But uh, I do like the color scheme though. The red and the red and uh, uh, whites and blacks. Uh, oh, oh kind of reminds me of like uh, um, uh, the colors that uh, Hitler liked to use or like the sith empire mm. but uh yeah man it's because it's one of these things where uh you, you know like uh, you hear about uh immigrants from the 1930s watching gangster movies and they imitate 
the uh, uh, the the mobsters in the movie to be like them, and that ultimately what becomes the thing. Right. It that's that's what makes you know culture and art so fucking fascinating because you know you go back and forth, and sometimes it it and they feed into each other in this weird, uh, uh, parasitic psychic bond. Yep. And I guarantee you, man, because of the impact on this movie and what Al Pacino was doing, like, I guarantee you if this movie was never made, the rap and uh, gangster culture would be phenomenally different. You know? I mean, it would, I mean, the base ideas would be the same, but the style, I feel like, would be uh, either would be radically different or just um, influenced on something that, uh, something else, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you said, though, art imitates life, life imitates art. It's a very cyclical relationship. Yes. God, seriously, this architecture is so <laughs> ugly. I love it, to be honest. The sculpture that looks like car doors. <laughs> the palm trees and the uh, the the weird, the weird honeycomb globe. <laughs> you know, in all fairness, I think you really do have to be super high on cocaine to think this is <laughs> to think this is. Peak uh, aesthetic, I think. <laughs> oh, and of course, we have our first appearance of Michelle Pfeiffer. Man, I love how the movie just is so unabashedly uh, shameless. And that it's uh, trying to tell you what, what's going on. Is that, you know, it, normally like a reserved re director probably would have kept it in the master... And just we just kind of see to, like we see Tony's performance and his longingness, but no, 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 we gotta push in hard for the zoom, and we gotta swell the music, man. It's really cliche, but it's Jesus Christ, is it effective? <laughs> I'm trying to think what my oh man, what was Michelle Pfeiffer in before this? Like, cause was this was this towards the beginning of her year? Yeah, this was this was fairly early in her career, maybe her fifth or sixth work, I think. Huh. I think she blew up a lot more post this. Oh, again, okay, I, yeah, yeah. Because I think it was uh, this uh, Lady Hawk and Witches of Eastwick where, hmm. um, she started to really blow up, and because she was like starting out in the eighties and. Then in the 90s, she really got big, uh, especially after, you know, being Batman and Selena Kyle, a Catwoman, and Batman Returns. Right, and, and that's also one of the weird things about, like, you know, you end up with associations, because for me, it's like I first saw her in Batman Returns, and I saw her in, you know, um, Dangerous Minds. I, I was seeing Pacino and stuff like, you know, The Godfather, which I watched relatively young and stuff like that. So when I, I didn't come to this movie until I was in my 
mid to late twenties. Yep. So by the time I came to it, I was like, oh, okay. But like I, but like I don't mind. It's not bad, but like I have other things I love more with these people. Rush, rush with the yayo. Mm. <laughs> that a man like the that that one little ad lib turned into an entire fucking song. <laughs> and that's the other th really smart thing about this movie is because look, I know that you know, uh, like studios and a lot of you know artists and you know rap guys like they always wanted to do a remaster of the movie but replace the soundtrack with rap music from today and mm. i am so glad that brian de palma it, at every turn is like fuck no because dude this movie is super 80s and if you put like any modern rap music in there even rap from the 80s itself you lose the 80s from this movie <laughs> Like, this yeah. movie is super 80s. Look at the porn stashes on these guys, man. <laughs> like, come on. So, um, and the music is perfect because, you know, I, I remember Brian De Palma specifically said, I don't want to use any uh, hits from today, like, you know, in the 80s. That he didn't want to use, like, any modern music from, uh, from that day in there. Instead, he put in a score which is a brilliant score strikes the exact right tone uh but he also it commissioned several original songs including the one that's playing right now which is rush rush get the yeah yo and for the record like all the songs on this soundtrack are fucking awesome <laughs> oh yeah man a famous line <laughs> don't rules. get hot don't get high on your own supply and you know what that is no matter how you uh you can totally like re rework that philosophy to anything like yeah you know what something that i always uh took into mind or uh, what i loved reading while i was making movies in college uh i loved reading sun tzu's the art of war mm. and i loved using that philosophy to uh to making movies not just making them, but also leading a team and uh, sol problem solving and things like that. I loved that kind of philosophy for that. So, but in the in, in the rules of the of uh, the of uh, that uh, that they're laying down here, man, you could totally you know use those philosophies to to everyday life. Like, uh, you know, it's. <laughs> It's one. Of, it's one of those things where you know you can uh, just take that philosophy and apply it to your own life. Like, don't get high on your own supply, man. Like, don't don't dip into your own personal things. You listening to to me? Like all you CEOs out there that take you know short your employees' checks. Like, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't. It's bullshit. It's bad business. Don't. You know, I'm really curious if uh, Pacino got like a shit got to have like a shitload of authentic Cubano c cigars. <laughs> what an amazing role that would be! Uh, ben uh, like a little benefit for playing this role. Maybe that's the reason why he loves playing this. The, maybe this is why uh, this was uh, the most fun character for him. Okay. 
Well, I know there's also like a rumor that apparently he smoked real cocaine for some of these scenes, which I well, kind of Well, regardless, whether he did or not, he did talk about his, his sinuses were permanently fucked up after making this movie. Yeah, whether, I mean, granted uh, granted it could have been from the prop. Like, apparently they thought it was, like, powdered milk or something. But either way, man, snorting that amount of uh, powder up your nose cannot be good for you. You know, powdered milk or Coke or sugar, whatever, can't be fucking good for you, man. Oh, Sean, don't you miss the days where you could go clubbing like this? Don't you uh, miss that? I, I've i gone clubbing a lot, and I can definitely say it's never been like this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, dude, what the hell is that guy with the handkerchief? He is not good at dancing at all, no. which I appreciate. I don't think any of these people are good at dancing here. Especially Al Pacino here, although he's he's trying so hard to get some good game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little flamingo, a little pelican, my little pelican. You know what's so, so <laughs> man? It's so crazy how what a one eighty that Pacino pulls from going from Michael Corleone to Tony Montana, right? And you know what's also really interesting? I swear there is uh, with Al Pacino there are two phases to his career. There is pre Scarface. And post Scarface. Because I don't know what, something happened, but, you know, like, it, it was probably, like, all the smoking that he did in the 80s and whatnot or something. But I swear, like, as soon as, like, Scarface was over, you just, it, it went, you know, he it, he was originally this quiet and sweet, reserved kind of guy and just, you know, very introspective and very calculating and cool. And he had some heated moments, but he was still a good boy inside and then he did scarface and all of a sudden he's like hey, what's going on hey what's up oh yeah get me oh yeah you gotta hold on to that fury wow just i don't know what the hell happened maybe he did it like maybe there was real cocaine in this movie i don't know, I don't know. Maybe it was just one too many times because i mean i've seen him go overboard you know before Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at, like, Dog Day Afternoon, and he's screaming, exactly. Attica, Attica, and just, like, but... <laughs> but, like, maybe he just had so much fun doing it here, he's just like, I'm doing it all the time. Get you know ready. what? That's <laughs> probably what it was. He's, like, he's, he, uh, he's been doing, you know, all these really great roles in the 70s. It, he's made a name for himself by giving one of the most legendary performances as Michael Corleone in The Godfather, one of the most respected movies of all time. And now he's like, look, I'm just going to do the exact, the exact same role play, but in totally the opposite fashion. Like, because Michael <laughs> Corleone, he is calculating, he's quiet, he's reserved, he has a fury, but it doesn't come out unless it's absolutely necessary. And he will always, always pray to God and is all about the family. 
Tony is just reckless, bombastic, uh, enthusiastic, and passionate. I love that. I love how narcissistic that line is. Oh, which one? What's I want? What's coming to me? What's coming to you? Oh yeah, the world, the and world. everything in it. Yeah, man. It's like, wow, you're a bit narcissistic there. I have, I, I deserve everything. Oh, and hey. you know, and you know what's really fucking horrifying? That is the perfect summation of everyone's perception of themselves for the American dream, uh. or at least that's that's what the American dream shapes us up to be. Isn't in that in a lot of ways, and it's sad. It it is, dude. Like it's a myth, and it's and it's contagious. <laughs> dude, for real. You know, it's also strange, like. I know I, I I'm probably gonna get like a lot of shellacking for this, but he Tony Montana is the same kind of cartoonishly over the top uh, thrusting of the American dream in the same way that Donald Trump was in the '80s, and through <laughs> and pretty much and pretty much throughout like the '90s and up to the uh, and for the next like 30 years after that. Isn't it weird though? Like, cause <laughs> this it, scene is hilarious though. Uh, oh it is yeah, weird, I, but I agree with you. They, Cause, it's because they play it so over the top, but it's like, dude, do you even know why you like this stuff? <laughs> Damn. Um, I'm just going to say really little dick energy here. <laughs> right. Am I right? Just, uh, I'm telling you, man. Bruh, don't do it. <laughs> Dude, don't do Man, you're going to get slapped so fucking hard in the right? face. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, but I agree with you. This movie kind of is like, it encompasses the attitude of a scumbag that was very prevalent for a certain period of time that I think has diminished but not left this country. Mm-hmm. We are... They play the American dream, the caricature of the American dream, so hard that we lose any meaning to it. Oh, okay, now this I thought was really funny. Hey, look at that kid. Look at this kid. He's going to get slapped <laughs> Man, right there. Don't do that. See that shit? Don't do that. See, kids, be, don't do that to women. Right? Hold, hold, hold on. Don't do that to women you don't know and who you don't know will appreciate it. Exactly. There's a time and a place for that kind of, that kind of move. That's not it. <laughs> See, first you got to get the respect is what it is. Now, I mean the money and the power. The money and power thing. I mean, those are just like nice add-ons, to be honest. No, first, 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 you get the sugar. 
Uh, see, now we're just going into Simpsons territory. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> First you get the sugar, then you get the power, then you get the woman. That is that is well, like one of my favorite B stories of Homer <laughs> on the show. I love how stupid that that shit was. <laughs> my sugar pile. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> it does though. Let me But her dude. delivery is perfect. Yeah, she is. And you know what? It's it's crazy. I I I know women like this. Like who are just so <clears throat> Granted though, she has rights to uh, uh, like the absolute right to to be like <clears throat> all the time cuz Dude, being the trophy wife to a mob boss, like it's like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna snort this, so to the point where I feel nothing because I hate everything and I hate myself, and I'm just gonna spend recklessly. <laughs> Damn, man, that's it. Shit. And what would that go nowadays? Like, you know, brand new sports car like that, on or that uh, caliber, that'd be like an easy hundred, two hundred thousand dollars. Think about two fifty, because if I if I'm looking correctly, I think that's a Ferrari. So you're probably looking at about two fifty. Mm-hmm. Aren't post-recession economics fun? No, they're not. <laughs> you know, I'm actually genuinely curious what that woman would... What it would take to make that woman genuinely happy. Because in a weird way, I feel like uh, her soul is just as lost as Tony's. And weirdly, uh, they both know that, you know? Because th there's a, there's, I, I, I think I remember reading a review or somewhere that, uh, to uh, uh, I think it was in the, uh, the dinner scene where he's like, Hey, say goodnight to the bad guy. It's to the point where it's like, look. I'm so I, he realizes that he is so far gone that he knows he sold his soul for everything to the point where he wonders even if he have ever had one. And, uh, <laughs> oh my god, dude, what the hell? So that was ad lib. <laughs> Him putting the hat on was completely ad lib. Oh. <laughs> you can kind of see how she's like get it, like actually finds it genuinely charming. Yeah, and, and they kept it in because yep. he liked the, he liked the. Well, that's, the a, reaction, that's good. Yeah. It's good. It's that's a good acting instinct, you know. 
Well, yeah, but it's also a good directorial instinct when it's like, oh, that worked. Like, I'm going to keep it. That. That's oh, yeah, 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 yeah. See, because, like, it's one thing to have, like, good acting instincts to, you know, have something literally, in this case, a hat, fall on his lap, and he just runs with it. But it's also another thing to be to have that directorial thing where it's like, I feel so strongly about this performance, I think this should be in the final cut. Yeah. Well, also, it's like, if something ends up working to what your end goal is anyway, just because it wasn't your plan doesn't mean you don't use it. Yeah. Mama. Again, I really love the score here. There's just... There's only one small, uh, there's, there's just a toe in heaven in the hellscape of the, uh, the, uh, the synth music here <laughs> on Gina. Uh, man, this is some real, this is the part of the movie that I'm most uncomfortable with because <laughs> <laughs> There is something clearly going on. But you know what? Uh, again, this movie is fearlessly uh, tr uh, honest and uh, uh, just shamelessly honest almost. Because, you know, so, at the end so of the movie, she's like, you want to fuck me? That's what you've been wanting this whole time. I'm like, they really just know exactly what's on our <laughs> minds. And they are not afraid to put it out there. So, uh, I'd like to point something out very interesting here. Yes. The woman who's playing his mother, in actuality, is only four years older than Al Pacino. A uh, lot good makeup and good casting. That's all it is. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's just like, oh, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I remember, uh, uh, you know, like in, there's a whole bunch of other movies that I can think of where, you know, the, uh, the mother character is only like a either a few years old only just a few years older than their uh their offspring supposed to be in some cases they're actually younger and i like how the mom like she's like this is sus <laughs> heckin sus but to be honest like if uh if she raised this guy <laughs> oh wow. man Wow, you're just hitting below the belt, like. Well, it's true, like you know, if speaking like as a mother, like well, man, I'm not a mom, but it, from the perspective of a mother, and knowing what he is, like shit, it's to the point where I feel because really, I, I I think that uh, she is the, in a weird way, his mother is the audience. I think hmm. like she is the one who sees him for what he is and right here looks at him. And I love what she, her response to this is like, who'd you have to kill to get this? Yep. Yeah. She knows exactly what he is and she knows that his soul has been, is long gone. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Again, she knows what's up. God, can you imagine all the stories that she must, uh, uh, she, she probably has about him and his youth? Oh. She's not wrong, though. No, no. Again, I think that, weirdly enough, that Tony's mama is the audience representative here to be like, no, this is what he is. Yeah. And he, she knows exactly what he is and treating him as such. And weirdly enough, she even has the uh, she is the voice of opposition to all the, uh, the the Cubanos who have like problems with this movie stereotyping them as, you know, like criminals or drug dealers yeah. or whatever. Because e right here, even there is the voice of reason for those people. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's also really nice that I just uh, just as I'm watching this, I love how this entire scene is mostly played in the wide master shot. Yeah. Like the old Hollywood days. Man, I didn't even... This shot is a callback to the Sergers. It is, isn't it? It's very John Ford. Well, yeah, because, you know, in there, it's showing her encompassing the home. This is showing her that this home is separate from him and he's not welcome. Mm -hmm. Same same use of a doorway and the and a parent, but to convey a different meaning, straightforward. Yep. Oh... Uh... The real tragedy of this movie isn't really Tony dying at the end of this movie, but Gina. Oh, for sure. Because she's just so naive. Well, you know, sometimes, you, I mean, like, people tend to have soft spots for siblings. No, no. No? Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. It's just like... Uh man, it's still it's just. Really I'm not saying it's not a bit creepy. I'm just saying, like he's creepy. She has a soft spot. There's yeah. a difference. But like he's creepy on every level, not just here. Uh, you know, if Tony was at had any sense of. Well, it's hard to say because he doesn't have any sense of decency. <laughs> um, well, and, and but... he also doesn't have a good sense of awareness because he knows his best friend here is a horn dog, and he brought him somewhere near his sister. Mm. You should know better. I think the uh, – I, I guess uh, if Tony had any real, quote, love for his sister, you know, sibling love and not that creepy, creepy shit that's going on, Ugh. 
<laughs> but uh yeah no for real like uh if he had any real like sibling love for gina he would have said don't get mixed up in this shit right don't do it go away don't because uh you know i think uh there's i think even in older gang movies or like uh what was it um uh it was a movie you recommended to me really great uh uh gangster film really underrated but it's classic uh, old class from the old classic era uh angels with dirty wings where Uh, um, dirty faces dirty faces yes thank you yeah um with uh, uh, James Cagney, and in it, he, you know, he's a he's a former gangster, but he's under the in- but he is uh, influencing these teenagers, these street these street hustlers to be just like him. But it almost, but what's great about his character, it, James Cagney's character, is that he it, and o- almost every opportunity that he can, he's like, don't get mixed up in this shit, man. Don't do it. Even though he tries to play his role and keep his rep up he's like don't do this man at least that get at least his character had a little bit of morality right that he's like don't do this shit man this shit's dangerous and it's so strange because you would think you know oliver stone writing this when he was uh, struggling with his drug addiction writing this he would have had a scene for Tony like that. He's like, you know, yeah. don't like. He's like, D- look. He's like, I'll do this shit all the time. I I do this for you. I do this. I do this for myself. But don't get mixed up in it. I don't want you near this shit. He doesn't say that to Gina. As a matter of fact, he welcomes Gina into the uh, the lifestyle. And it's totally his doing for her demise. Oh, yeah, we got the Sosa. The main antagonist, man. Now, I forget. uh, Was he... Is he still around? Let's see. uh, Nope. Oh, wow. Uh, The guy playing uh, um, Sosa here, uh, Paul Shinar. Wow, I didn't realize this, but uh, he uh, he actually died uh, only about five years after this. Because hmm. I was about to say, I was about to say, man, if he survived, Lord knows they would have tossed him a, a Breaking Bad cameo. Because hmm. did you watch Breaking Bad? I'm curious. Oh yeah. Okay, because because uh, oh wait, was there was that uh, the other guy? No. No. Okay. Well, I was I was just thinking of of the uh, the other guy. The oh yeah, that, that there there's the other uh, Breaking mm-hmm. Bad. Uh, uh, oh Hector Salamanca. <laughs> ding ding, motherfucker. Yep. Oh, dude, he is by far probably one of the scarier characters on Breaking Bad. Oh yeah. All and he doesn't say and he doesn't even have to say a fucking word. Just that sound. Still. That that bell noise traumatizes me to e- even to this day, man. Oh, by the way, I just if you look in the background, the the uh, the, the guard and those sunglasses, yeah, that's mm-hmm. totally the skull, the dude that fucking shoots Tony in the back. Hmm. 
I know that that look anywhere, man. I'm pretty. I'm ninety percent sure. I, that, I'm ninety percent sure that's that's him. The, the guy that takes out Tony. I remember actually uh, hearing an interview from that actor, and he's like, you know, man, I really regret being the guy to kill off Scarface at the end of the movie because if he had lived, what a sequel we would have had. And apparently they wanted to do a sequel, too. Like, it was going to be with Tony's son or something stupid like that. I'm like, no, come on. Oh, don't go to the chopper, man. <laughs> don't go to the motherfucking chopper. <laughs> In all fairness, though, this guy uh, who's about to, you know, get iced, <laughs> he really just doesn't have any cool for this, for this meeting, does he? Oh shit! Yeah, I'm ni- yeah I'm ninety percent sure that's the dude that blows <laughs> Tony away with the shotgun at the end of the movie. No, there isn't, is there? Not really. And there's no lies with this movie, I think. And I think that's part of the main appeal of it is that you know. It's like I said, it is shamelessly, brutally honest. But it does that honesty with style, I think. Oh, shit, man. Don't talk to the motherfucking cops. Otherwise, you end up like this. Oh, Jesus. Fuck! Oh man, the blood in the wind. Shit. You know, uh, some something that I, I've always talked about in movie uh, about movies and such and whatnot. A lot of people are like, oh my gosh, I'll never watch this movie. Like, it's just too fucking violent for my tastes or whatever. Um, I'll wait this line here. That's Tony's character right there. (laughs) Great line, too, by the way. Once again, bluffing his way to the top. Jesus Christ.
<laughs> I mean, that's that's the way you gotta think. Yeah, that's true. At the end of the day, this shit's business. But, you know, I was just going to say, there's uh, something that I've always talked about to people is like, oh, I can't watch this. This is just too violent. Like, or, you know, people always like, uh, you know, especially when I was a teenager and I was still learning about these things is, uh, you know, the most legendary violent movies of all time and whatnot. Honestly, like, they're not really that violent, per se, like this movie or like even the legendary movies it's like because really it's um uh these movies are just uh really uh long dramatic movies interrupted by you know a minute or two of extreme violence is like i mean yes but at the same time the entire culture of the film is violent that's fair because I, I often, like, cite uh, Taxi Driver as, like, a prime example of this. Is like, movie's really not that violent until you get to the ending. <laughs> like, um, it's, it's like, uh, you know, a two-hour build-up to one violent thing, and then it's billed as, like, the most violent movie ever made. Um, and it's kind of the same here, where it's, you know, the violent scenes are brutal when they happen, but they're really quick about it. You know, like the chainsaw and the, the the massacre. That was like what, maybe two minutes of screen time. The uh, the helicopter bit that was like thirty seconds, maybe. Out of a three-hour movie, it had, what? It all yeah. pro the violence in the movie probably adds up to what, like maybe twenty, thirty minutes. So I just find that interesting. Like, oh, the, these movies are so violent. I'm like. They're only violent for really short periods. That's why I always, I always found it weird when, uh, you know, movies like this were on cable and my parents would change it away. And every once in a while, I'd just be watching it. And I'd be like, well, it's just people talking at this point. <laughs> where's, the, where's the violence and gore that I was promised? I wanted it now, Sean. <laughs> I was, I was so impatient. You like if you want violence and gore, watch horror films. But they don't complain about horror films because those are supposed to be violent and gory. Yeah, yeah. Although uh, my my mother in particular was never a horror fan; she just never had the taste for it. But all the more reason why I wanted to watch those movies. <laughs> I mean, Someone looking like you're getting too big for their britches, almost. Well, yeah, but at the same time, he's not wrong. Like, at the culture and the time, like, if you paid $18 million for half a, for, like, what, a quarter ton of Coke? Like, yeah. you're going to make money. Yeah. You're not going to lose money on that. <laughs> but it's, but really, he's not, you know, mad dog at him here for his suggestion. It's the way he's suggesting it. He's right. like, you trying to move, you trying to step up on me, son? Excuse you? 
shit. You know, I, we talked a little bit about this before the show, but uh, in a lot of ways, and I totally can kind of see it, is that, uh, and this is also another reason why I try to, you know, because I know a lot of people who are like, oh, Scarface, like, oh, I'm just not for me. I'm like, yeah, but it's a little bit deeper than, you know, just like the uh, the rise and fall of a crime boss. I mean, if, in a weird way, this movie is a very loose adaptation of Shakespeare's Macbeth. You know, it's uh, you know, big, this uh, big king who, or, or a, 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 a general who's come from nowhere, fighting for a king, in this case, Lopez, <clears throat> spurred by his ambition and his wife, murders Duncan, and then he ascends to the throne and becomes a bloody, tyrannical ruler and uh, with an empire with an iron fist. And ev eventually it's ended by... <laughs> Um, by a bloody, bloody end. And honestly, that's the exact same rise and fall thing going on with Tony. So, I don't know. How do you feel about that that comparison? Because I, I know we talked about it a little bit before the show. I mean, I think in, in, in very broad strokes, maybe, but I, I think it's just more a matter of coincidence than any intent. Yeah, well, I guess because Macbeth is so... Uh, it's such an iconic uh, or a mythic story arc that it's really applicable to a lot of the, uh, the you know the gangster stuff um, similar to like how applicable the hero's journey is or you know tragic young love with Romeo and Juliet like you, even if it isn't you know explicitly trying to do be Romeo and Juliet if you have an instance of young tragic love it's going to be compared to romeo and juliet whether you attend it or not you know yeah i i agree with that but i guess that's why you know gangster movies are so uh attractive in that manner is that they they are that macbeth archetype Oh my gosh, I forgot about that in the 80s. Oh, what's that? So, you, you get this a lot in, uh, in like, American Psycho, if you actually read the book and things. Uh, for some reason, in the 80s, Justerini and, Bo and Brooks, the, the whiskey they have there, was really popular. I don't know if it was had a good branding campaign or great marketing or what, but... Maybe it was like an I, import tax thing I going don't know, on. But as as a whiskey fan, God, it's terrible. Oh, really? It's really? so bad. And okay. this is what people were all about. Like that it was a big '80s drink, and it's just like, oh God, no, 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 no. Why though? Right. That's my whole thing. It's just like it's not okay. Hey, you know what? You know what? I guess you could make the joke is that these people are truly tasteless. <laughs> you know what's also really fucking just disturbing as all hell what's that watch this movie on mute and watch how tony reacts to michelle pfeiffer versus he does with gina oh gosh <laughs> it's disturbing when you because look you could watch the movie and be like 
oh, he's like torn between these two loves. And then you watch the movie with sound and realize that one of them is his sister, and you're like, (laughs) no, change the channel. (laughs) Do not want. (laughs) No, no, no. Now, I wonder if this was shot, uh, you know, way off the coast of Miami to get that skyline or if they're like, eh, close enough, L.A. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't know. I'm I'm not familiar to. I I mean, I know the L.A. skyline a little bit, but uh, the Miami one. No, not really. I mean, at at the distance, it might not matter. No. Uh, Although uh, I, I just I just never cared for Florida. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i uh i'm not a fan myself uh but you know i grew up in southern california so to me the concept of humidity is an abomination yeah now the although speaking of what we since this movie does take place entirely in miami florida uh we have to ask ourselves the ma- uh, the real pressing question of this movie who is billed as Florida Man in this movie? Who is the Florida Man of the cast? Ooh, this Ooh. is a very good question, is it not? It I want to, I want to say it's Tony himself, but eh? um, ah, let me. I know, right? It's hard. I'm like. Wait, where's the Florida man? <laughs> you, oh, wait, you know what? You, you, Actually, you know, maybe, it, maybe it's Chainsaw Guy. Yes, I was going to say that. <laughs> Chainsaw Guy feels like... he. That is, sounds like a Florida man. That That is a headline there. Like, man bursts like, through what, door. Like, what did you bring to a gunfight? A chainsaw. Oh. <laughs> Florida man. <laughs> man bursts through woman's apartment with chainsaw and runs out with and shot to death out in the middle of the street florida man like yeah so okay so chainsaw guy is florida man in this movie no stop it stop no no movie bad bad movie okay uh so uh have you ever seen spring breakers with uh uh um fucking wow i'm blanking i have no i know what you're talking about no james franco yes no. Um, so you haven't, okay? No. No? Okay. I have not. Um, good movie. Uh, probably only worth once a while, like worth once watch because it's just really... <laughs> um, but well, James we, Fran- we'll talk about that. <laughs> yes, but James Franco, uh, you know, he's one of... The, he's a lot like Tommy Montana in the movie where he is a... he His lifestyle is the caricature of the american dream or the american gangster uh and you know he's also operating in like i think well i think he's in california not not florida but uh um at least i think that's where the movie takes place it's been a while but um i do remember that uh he had a some scarface memorabilia in his pad work because he goes through there's an entire sequence where he shows off his shit look at my shit Look, I, I got shuriken, I got Kool-Aid, I got shorts of all kind of color, I got I got all these designer t-shirts of every fucking color, I got this, the Calvin Klein spray, smell nice, I got 
I got the guns. I got rooms of this shit, man. And he also shows off a little bit of Scarface memorabilia, and he's like, I got Scarface on repeat. Scarface on repeat. All the time. 24-7. And I'm like, oh, God. And the worst part is I know pe there are people out there like this. But I'm just curious. If he's got Scarface on repeat, constant, um, how does he feel about the these scenes where Tony is clearly ogling his sister? I really right. want to know what's going through his head when he's watching these scenes. Personally, I don't think he he has that character, that that kind of person has anything up there anymore to really register what those images mean. <laughs> you know? Because I, I, I think it was uh, Tony Zhu who does one of my favorite YouTube series, uh, Every Frame of Painting. Uh, one of his videos, one of the most poignant things I've ever heard uh, someone say about cinema nowadays is that we are really visually sophisticated nowadays, but we are also at the same time totally uh, visually illiterate. Meaning mm. that we are capable of making some fantastic imagery, but thinking through what an image actually means, not so much. Yeah. So, I, I, something I would like to point out just uh, on a brief tangent here, you know, because Gina has popped up now, been around for a while. Uh, my association with the actress, you know, Mary Elizabeth Mastratano, which I probably just butchered, <laughs> I love her as Marion in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. That is a guilty Oh my God, I forgot she was totally in that. That's right. God, what else has she been in? Been in that, that's a this? guilty pleasure movie for me, and I love her in it. Uh, oh wow, she see that's another reason why I need to check out the Color of Money. Um, because she apparently she was nominated for an Academy Award for that movie. Who knew? Um, Perfect Storm. I never watched Perfect Storm. Um, it, me as I just like you know look on the IMDb page. <laughs> shamelessly yeah we we that's another thing about the show we are shameless googlers <laughs> yeah we only appear to know everything but that's only because the tool to that we know everything is at our fingertips you know actually i think this scene really drives home just how far uh, just uh how uh uh, messed up this weird love triangle between <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer, Al Pacino, and Mary Elizabeth is just like it's, it's just because uh, if you again if you watch this scene on mute, you'd be like, she, he really wants to fuck this one girl, but he's with this one. It's it's this one guy trying to get away from his, uh, get away from his uh, current wife. <laughs> oh shit oh shit you crossing him <laughs> also it's it's crazy that he says that because uh, his bravado, his constant 
character, like <laughs> constant, bl- his constant bluff in yeah. life. That it, <laughs> I mean, it's weird, but yeah, man, that's 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 what it is—just balls. Yep. That's all he's. That's all he's done is just bluff his way through all of it. I mean, shit. But like, it's also it's also hilarious. He's mad about this. It's like, be real. In the drug business, if you're not paying off law enforcement somewhere, you are so exposed. Oh yeah, dude, for real. You need to get cozy with them cops, otherwise it's not gonna. Dude. Oh shit, man. How ridiculously over the top filmmaking is this? You know, <laughs> the only reason why it works is because Tony himself is so over the top, man. Right. It's actually to the point where I look at a movie like Spring Breakers, where the the filmmaking aspect of it is played fairly straight, and I kind of wish that you know they <laughs> did have that extra oomph of style you know oh hey check it out kids pay phones remember those oh god this is so bad it's so tragic to a for gina man because she doesn't know any better uh yes and no i mean if you're going to a bathroom with a guy, you know what you're doing to a certain extent. <laughs> yeah, well, it, I'm talking about the lifestyle in, in not uh, just the, well, the yeah. this isolated moment. You know, I'm actually really curious. Uh, I don't, because it's never explicitly said how old these two are. But I submit to you that, what, Gina has to be maybe, what, somewhere between 22 and 25. So I'd say that's, what do you think? That's like a nice around. Yeah, early to mid-20s sounds about right. Yeah. So... She's kind of in the right in this argument here where she's like, dude, fuck off. This is not your life. Right. It's mine. Even though that life is still stupid misguided. (laughs) (laughs) Also, that's another thing about this movie that I totally forgot about. Al Pacino is comically short. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Because what? He's like, uh, I think he's like five... 510 at the tallest and all these other guys are like 65 like 6265 or whatever I'm actually curious what, how how tall he is I mean it's, it's probably uh, he, he is not a tall actor it's probably uh, uh, gotten different with age but uh, okay so he's he's 57 and the dude's 80 now God <laughs> doesn't that fucking make you feel old can you imagine like people who've seen this for the first time and they were like oh yeah al pacino is like 80 now and they're like wow i am fucking old (laughs) 
Uh, by the way, you mentioned that uh, people, because this is like right after the uh, the Golden Globes of 2021. Uh, you mentioned how he was looking, right? Oh, yeah, he would look in the rough at the Globes. Jesus Christ, man. Like, just Google, Google Al Pacino Golden Globes 2021, and you'll be like, holy hell what the if i swear to god i'm gonna be pissed off if 2021 claims al pacino because he's seriously still one of my all-time favorite actors see i find i find this scene really interesting like the fact that the switchover came so quick mm-hmm. like well, I, I, I guess i guess lopez has uh, men who can just get shit done Oh wait, did did she just yeah, say she just said 20, twenty years old? Yep. Okay then. Well, um first off we you were shouldn't off be off on age, but <laughs> still that was we were right around there. But still, yeah, roughly I think uh yeah, you have a right to, to, to live your own life now. But uh, at the same time, man, dude, seriously, get 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 the fuck out of this lifestyle, man. Cause if you want a reason why to get out this upcoming scene at the uh at the club is really a cue you should stop right. doing this shit but, man but also like i'm sorry my whole thing with the club here is like literally he just tried to shake him down but was still using them but because like now you're gonna try and kill him that quick i guess uh lopez is just really that pissed off and uh he just has that many guys <laughs> Hell, maybe he had, like, a couple... He just, like, turned to his bodyguards that uh, come to him, and he's just like, fucking... Well, it, it's them. not... It's Okay, it's not that... It's the switch between he's working for me to let's kill him. Well, it was kind of boiling with him. I mean, as soon as he started, you know, feeling up his wife, right there... And I, then think, that's... I think that's that's was the ticker, but I'm just like... I don't know. Like, that just seems really quick. Like, maybe let him do a little more of the groundwork and then kill him. Or That's at least try, or try to kill him in, you know, a less crowded place. Cause yeah, in a place that you don't have personal associations with. Exactly. Yeah, because really, you know, if mob hits rarely take place out in public. And if it's yeah. in public, it's usually for, like, a message or something. If, it's either because it's a message or something went very, very wrong and they had to move immediately. Mm-hmm. Because, like, gangsters, they try to... They literally... The, the one thing... Say what you will about them, man, but they like to keep that shit on the DL. Because so they don't want to get fucking uh, caught. Well, right. To, to quote a rapper, don't you know that bad boys move in violence and silence? Yeah, for real. I don't know, man, but uh, I love I love the perfect just appearance of absolute despair there, though. Yeah, man, we all been there, am I right? Twenty twenty. <laughs> I'm done with the twenty twenty jokes for real, but um, <laughs> I do love the uh, the use of mirrors in this whole sequence. Like, did you notice earlier when uh, Manny was with them, and you could always see him in the background and whatnot? Yeah, I actually really love like because the mirrors are actually used. Uh, n well enough to the point where they're not gimmicky or anything. Oh shit, man! Oh, dude, the silencers are off.
Fuck. Nope. Man, why'd they have to kill the entertainer? What did he do? You know what this reminds me of? What's that? The first rule of fighting in a morgue. Hide behind the fat corpse. Yeah, yeah, for real. Oh, shit. Aim low! Oh, damn. Shit, duck. Oh. Lights out, motherfucker. I still got nicked. Oh, man, those headlights. Oh, shit. Oh, boy. Manny. Manny, you better get going. Okay, did you see that phone? <laughs> the yes. noodle phone? God. Only in the 80s, man. <laughs> well, maybe the 70s, actually. <laughs> but see i love how, how cool he still is about it it's like what happened nothing we can't fix oh jesus right he's just he's just so confident about it he's like we got this <laughs> the confidence the again he, bravado. Uh, he the bravado of it all and the recklessness and the impulsiveness Man, it's 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 crazy how because it's the exact thing that got him to the top, and it's also the thing that's totally going to kill him. And you know what's weird? I think he knows that, whether consciously or unconsciously. I think he knows <laughs> that the shit the the shit that got him to the top, his balls, if you will. That is ultimately what's going to kill him too. And he knows well, it. Yeah, that, I mean, well, yeah, it's, there's this true thing where it's, in life, often the skills you need to get to the top are then not beneficial to staying at the top. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you mentioned uh, uh, the shit whiskey they were drinking earlier. Now we have yes. a character drinking actual good whiskey, Jack Daniels, and he gets iced off. Okay, not a really big fan of Jack yeah, look, I'll tell. I'll give Jack single barrels, fantastic. Normal Jack, and it's run of the mill. But well, I mean that's fair. I mean, hey, at least he has more taste than the other shit. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> so, I guess that's why he's uh, he's off because he actually has halfway decent taste in whiskey. <laughs> 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 oh shit. 
<laughs> I come in here personally. Oh, the gun. <laughs> you know, I also like how they went I... out of their way to uh, to get specifically a Beretta as uh, Tony <laughs> Montana's signature handgun. Which, if you don't know, Berettas are Italian. They wanted an Italian weapon to be this guy's signature handgun just as an homage to the original Howard Hawks movie of the rise I, of an Italian gangster. I love the play here though. Like I really do where he has his friend call. Like he, he, he wants to verify it before he makes the move. Oh yeah, man. Which honestly is the right way to go about a hit. He's like, you don't whack someone without, uh, without the right. Perm if you whack someone in power, you better have an Okay. Otherwise, you're going to be the guy who gets whacked himself, <laughs> which to qu is another great quote from another really great gang film. One of my favorites. Oh, shit. Uh... You're the reason why I'm bleeding right now, motherfucker. I don't know. You turned pretty hard to his wife. <laughs> well, I guess not that hard anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I ain't got nothing for you, man. God, look at these. <laughs> can you believe these ugly ass modern art sculptures? Right. What is that even supposed to be? Did he just get them because they're modern art? Oh, fuck. I wonder if Tony just like chucked them all out when, uh, <laughs> after he took over his empire because I don't remember seeing any modern art shit in his place after this 10 million <laughs> you offering chump change right <laughs> come on You got to get down on your motherfucking knees. <laughs> oh, he knows he's going to die. Oh, he's now on his knees begging. That's so true. I never did nothing to nobody. Uh, you just tried to have him killed. Like how there's a bullet in there's a bullet in his shoulder right now. Right. But he is. 
Oh, fuck. Oh! Cold as ice. Now, what to do with you? Huh? Well, at least he's going out with a little bit more dignity. Ah! <laughs> oh, God. Lift your ass up to the resurrection. <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, now this I fucking love. Ernie's just... You can literally see the sweat coming off this poor guy. And they're like, <laughs> You want a job? Hell yeah, I want a job. <laughs> Hell yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> Fuck. Hey, thanks. <laughs> Shit, man. <laughs> yeah, that was the proper response. Damn right. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> like, shit. But see, now, now the other thing, though, they left. Yeah. So, roll the bodies, clean up the scene. Now you've done them a favor, and you put a little something in your pocket. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, dude, can you imagine what he, what uh, the kind of cash that just must have been in the dude's wallet? Shit. I'm saying. That's an... That's a nice little extra bonus right there. Although in these days right, it would but, probably just be like you know a month's rent. <laughs> right, but what I'm saying is like by you showed that like not only am I useful, I got rid of a problem for you without you even asking. Like mm -hmm. I, I I can be a I can be a help to you. I got you. I got you. You're starting yourself off on the right foot. <laughs> I love how, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer's character, she's only casually horrified. <laughs> you know how much coke she's on all the time? That's true. And I, I'm pretty sure she's reaching for more now. Oh, the iconic. The blimp. That's the American dream right there. <laughs> the world is yours. It's all for sale. Yeah, remember it's when just Pan, one... remember when Pan Am used to be a thing? Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, back when we thought they were going to be around to go into space with 2001. <laughs> nope. 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 
still though that that blimp right there is kind of the a really great symbol for the american dream and you know what else is this fucking montage <laughs> this fucking montage is okay yo this shit dude look how stupid this looks Hey, man, that's the problem with a good old 80s montage. Fuck yeah, man. Oh, dude, look at all that money. Okay, this song, Push It to the Limit. Hell yes. This is like this is the theme to the movie, and I fucking love it. Okay, so little thing. I used to do 48-hour films in, back in college where we had 48 hours over a weekend to write, shoot, and turn in a movie. And every... And I did about 20 of them in my tenure in, in college and whatnot. Oh, I love this this transition here. Boom. It's so cliched and stupid. And I also love, again, it shows off how fucking short <laughs> Al Pacino is next to these guys. But um, every, every time I would do my pre-film my pre, uh, ritual was listening to this at full blast, cleaning my lenses, organizing my equipment showering up making my bed everything get, getting everything ready to go to this song because my professor uh loved this montage and used to show it in his classes all the time to to show to to show montage and to show the to embrace the over-the-topness to <laughs> to communicate as much information to the audience in as little time as possible with absolutely no dialogue and that's what this this montage does all the security cameras man um and and this song became like a uh, a staple for me when i was doing my prep shows just another one of little big connections that i have with this with a movie this oh, movie this. does not dissuade the idea that money buys everything. <laughs> yeah, for real. Except maybe your sibling. <laughs> <laughs> See, the the whole thing is, look, money doesn't buy happiness, but holy shit does it solve a lot of your problems. And look how over the top this shit is. He's got this fucking white tacky white tuxedo. She's in this ugly bridesmaid. She's got the big old cigar and a fucking tiger. A fucking tiger at his wedding. If that's not the over-the-top like caricature of the American dream, I don't know what is. You know, that actually reminds me. I forget when it was. I think it was like Arnold Schwarzenegger's 60th birthday. But he had, a, leg he had a legit tiger show up at his birthday party. Do you think either of these people, being that it's a Florida movie... Use the Tiger King? Oh my god, it might have been! Dude, Joe Exotic probably was at that wedding! Shit, dude! Oh man, he would totally do it. Because like this shit here, where she's doing all the drugs, but let's throw on some booze and some cigs, man. We're going to push it to the limit all the way, man. Oh, and another, another thing about push it to the limit is that... Uh, that song, I for some reason, there's two versions of the song. There's the uh, the album version, and then there's an extended version. The extended version happens to sync perfectly with the final shootout of the movie, and I just put it in for laughs. Like I just, you know, 
mixed it into the, uh, the, 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 the body of the movie for funsies. Just when I was just playing around with editing for the, the first time, I didn't really understand it, but I knew, uh, but I had the instincts for it. So I just mixed the, the song into the, uh, the, the final bit. No edits, no trims, no nothing. It just kind of synced up perfectly. And I put it on YouTube, again, just for funsies. Um, and now it's on my, uh, my personal YouTube channel. Uh, and inexplicably, at, like in the five, six, seven years that it's been on there, it's gotten millions and millions of hits. And I think I contribute that to uh, like probably the most popular video that I've ever uploaded, which, again, I ha that's another reason why I was like really insistent on doing this movie, because I'm like, this movie made me a little bit of famous. Yay! I, I, I know I'm doing like a lot of like dumb ego stroking for myself here but what better movie to do it than scarface am i right <laughs> oh my god don't you also just like love hate his <laughs> office interior like look how tacky the the black and gold shit is he's got a coke box for it and uh he's got like all these like exotic drinks and also, I'm not gonna lie though, I am a little bit jealous of his chair. That is what a dope-ass yeah. chair. What I find really interesting though is that like, you know, okay, great, you're using a bank to money launder, but like, come on, anyone at this, I mean, money laundering 101, you need to have a string of cash businesses. You're in Florida. Where are all your strip joints? Come on, man. Like, get Dude, on the ball. Dude, for real. Like, where are your clubs, your your strip joints, your dirty bookstores, your laundromats? Like, come on. Yeah. Exactly. Like, your nail salon. Hell, you gotta have dude, the cash industries. Dude, you know what would have been fucking amazing if he had done? Uh, if he had bought the, uh, the, Cuban, uh, uh, the Cuban sandwich sh shop. <laughs> bought that from him fucked the dude over it made a chain and used that to launder money like what a great <laughs> fuck you that would have been you know like dude for real if you're gonna launder money you need to get some like major business investments like come on i also find that hilarious is like guineas i don't trust them it's like you mean the people who gave you your career yeah, he, dude, he made rare. a career playing mobsters. Like, oh gosh, oh, playing shit. Italian mobsters. <laughs> yeah, well, Al Pacino himself is is Italian, so well, right. But it's just funny. It is. Uh, again, seriously though, the black and gold aesthetic here, I love hate that uh, the the design of this. Because it's so tacky and it's so vain, but it's so perfect for his character, I think. And you know what it also weirdly, uh, mildly makes me think of? And I know, I hate to say it, but I, I it, there's no other way to, to, to get around it, but Donald Trump's Manhattan apartment. Have you ever seen it? Like the Which gold, uh, his gold plate, like his golden ugly ass rich person uh manhattan apartment i have seen some pictures of that Ew. and as a matter of fact it was in the devil's advocate with al pacino like they actually <laughs> rented it out 
because they wanted these vain, this the most cartoonishly vain, over the top New York apartment. And who else do you go to? Um, because it's literally this aesthetic, except it's instead of uh, black and gold, it's white and gold, and it's just yeah. as fucking ugly. I've never personally been a fan of gold. I always just thought that silver looks much, much better. So yeah, but again, you gotta ha- the the gold is all about the vanity. Yeah, vanity, always my favorite sin. Hooah! <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of vanity, this shit here. He's got the security screens plus the TV, all by a bathtub, a giant ass jacuzzi bathtub in the middle of his bedroom. Yeah, because this is the closer style of what uh, Donald Trump had. <laughs> and hell, you know what else it is very, very close to? Uh, not a, a Biff Trump in Back to the Future 2. <laughs> it's literally the same shit, yeah. right? Like a bunch of security cameras, an old-ass TV, and the most ugly, vain shit, like rich person shit you can imagine. <laughs> Also, I just got to acknowledge how how stupid is it to have the chandelier directly over the, right. <laughs> the bathtub? Ah, uh, shit. They're talking about me now. <laughs> And that's a 1980s money, kids. Can you imagine what that would be nowadays? Fuck, that'd be billions right there. I mean, in a weird way, they're right, but in no respect should cocaine ever should be illegal, ever be legal. You know, well, I mean, I'm not saying it should be legal, but it should certainly be decriminalized and uh, all all emphasis should be on treatment. Yeah, dude, for real, man, because cocaine, heroin, like, look, like we like look like weed or like occasional shrooms is one thing. LSD is something like a little bit more questionable. But dude, fucking heroin or uh, cocaine, the really hard shit like, dude, that. That, that shit fucks you up so hard, it's not even worth it. <laughs> Pelican! I actually, I love that line a lot. Didn't he use that to, like, practice his dialect and whatnot? Yeah, he used it to, to practice his, uh, his Cuban accent and dialect. <laughs> By the way, how do you feel about his Cuban accent? Because, again, I... No, I, I, don't, I haven't heard enough authentic cuban to be able to speak intelligently about that i have worked in a couple of warehouses uh with a couple of cuban i remember there was this one guy he was literally all about cuba like he was from there he loved it so much he had a fucking cuban flag uh hanging from uh his uh his rearview mirror like he was way like i'm really cuban man and uh you know, didn't really talk to again he was just like 
one of the uh, work co-workers that mm-hmm. I had in a temp warehouse job that I was doing. Um, but uh, Stephen Bauer, uh, who plays Manny, that's actually fair. W- the way he talks, that's actually fairly close to how he is. Because mm-hmm. it's not just the fact that he's actually, you know, Cubano, but um, but that he's just a lot more reserved in that. But Al Pacino here, <laughs> he takes that he he takes that shit and just goes way over the top with it. He's like, look, he's like, yeah, this is what I've been taught, but I'm just gonna take it and turn it to fucking twelve. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, Al Pacino's Cubano accent is ridiculous, but it's appropriate. Again, Tony Montana lives over the top that's where he belongs so therefore it works <laughs> and i think that's just also a really great contributing factor to al pacino's perform or, or al pacino's talent you know because he knows how to just he knows exactly what he gets into and he knows instinctively how to uh go over the top in the right way the dude he is a the tony hawk of acting man he can go well, over the top, but he can make it look good and stick the landing. Yeah, I mean, I'll agree. Like, Pacino's really, really good at doing, as you said, over the top stuff. And but again, <laughs> he, he he skirts the line well enough where it's not never to the point where you're like, oh god. Yeah, exactly. It's never cringe. And it's and you know what's weird? Looking at this shot right here, where he's just yelling and and screaming alone in this wide shot of this stupid, like, Bane thing, you would think that shit would be cringe, but it's not. It's actually weirdly compelling, you know? Yeah. It is, well, it's weirdly compelling uh, for me, and I know for a lot of other people, especially the cultural zeitgeist. Because he has that weird, like, uh, base of sadness in him. Or maybe not sadness, but soullessness again. I think that's what it is. Shit, man. That's a lot of money. Now, is it me or the fact that I'm so disinterested in money is probably the reason or or is it like, is there like a weird, do you think there's like a weird social correlation with those who are really obsessed with money that are the ones that are also just like the most horrible human beings imaginable? Or is that just me, you know, as a uh, unfortunate, um, I don't want to say victim, that feels too hard. Or a, a, an unfortunate uh, uh, witness to the late stages of capitalism. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Like, is there like a weird correlation of those who are obsessed with money, and that they are in fact horrible, horrible human beings? I mean, I don't think it's a weird correlation. I think it's people who put all their focus there. Uh, miss out on the things that truly make life worth living and so then they become more and more horrible you know 
as I think about it, if, yeah. if you take away society and, t- and boil things down to the roots, a lot of people stop paying attention to the things that make people people in the same way you look at something like what makes a zebra a zebra. Natural things of humanity involve, you know, dancing, singing, telling stories, communal, like, communion with others. So, a lot oh, of that shit. kind of shit. Fuck. <laughs> that looks pretty good. Where'd you get that? He's still fucking... And cigar, man. Oh, shit, man. You jerk off to that, too? (laughs) Ah, he's in trouble. Oh, uh, there, I I guess the, um, this movie, especially, you know, movies to, um, after, have really... Um, made the motif of ridiculous amounts of money um and the more money that there is shown next to a character or associated with a character it's uh, the more that they have the less they of their soul they retain yeah and, and nothing i think uh the probably one of the most blatant examples of that was uh with the wolf of wall street uh in 2013 because that's just all about the excess. Ah, uh, shit. Uh, yeah, you've been there, but in a totally different country, sir. Right. Um, dude, with his status now, the, 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 uh, the kind of, dude, the, in 1980, with his status and his money, the time that he could be doing, he could probably be living better than me right now. yep boy I really wish I found a million and three in a fucking taxi cab yeah but somebody would end up missing it and then you're in trouble see that's when I just you know fucking leave the country at that point (laughs) I mean we're already this is already the uh, the metaphorical Titanic sinking into the ocean anyway yeah, but you're telling me you don't think uh, someone's going to come looking at very far for 1.3? No. <laughs> well, okay. Put it this way. Um, so, No Country for Old Men taught me 
If you find a, a suitcase full of money, dump the money and look for a fucking tracker. Find the tracker, crush it, and run. <laughs> that's what I. That's that's the, what I've learned. If you got like a million and three in unmarked bills, fuck yeah, I'm running. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's untraceable. And if you cover your if you cover your tracks at the uh, the scene, shit, who's gonna be looking for you? Exactly. I rest my case. <laughs> Everyone who knows about it, that's who's gonna be looking for you. They don't know me. They got they got nothing on me. <laughs> I pity those. I pity those cockroaches. <laughs> Just, what what am I doing, Sean? <laughs> what am I fucking doing? Oh God! Oh shit! Now Tony is going up into international. Oh man, dude, that is that is super eighties. Right. Look at that shit, man. Is that a projector? Yep, a three a three different color channel projector. Good lord, cutting edge technology. Am I right? Oh, they don't like that shit at all. Oh, shit. They don't like that shit. No, nope, nope. <clears throat> Oh, he's laundering a lot of shit. <laughs> oh boy. Man, don't you just love the uh the, the dramatic zooms and this shit, man? Oh yeah. I mean like I do really enjoy the camera work in this movie. It's just the the story is just not super gripping for me at this point. You know. Well, what I, mean? I like, yeah, I understand because it's so, again, it's so uh, well to, um, repeatedly told. It's such a yeah. um, even within the, uh, the 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 gangster genre. I mean, this is pretty much every. Uh, in a weird way, this is like a precursor to just about every great Scorsese movie. Um, <laughs> you know, it's you know just like uh, a, a male protagonist who starts at nothing, works his way to the top, has uh, and is overcome by his uh, uh, his pride in excess, and usually there's a, a woman in in there that he <laughs> feels guilty about or. Uh, or just, or just completely abuses the entire time, like that's uh, right. There's one in every fucking movie. Okay, now this scene. Um, 
there's a lot of great bits in this movie, but honestly, I feel like this is the most poignant scene in the entire movie. Tony is is just shit face drunk. But no, this is yeah, this is probably my favorite scene in the whole movie because again it's the truthfulness in it and the honesty uh, and how shameless that honesty is I mean honestly Tony might as well have like a giant vomit stain on his shirt right now you know <laughs> also you gotta keep an eye on all the uh, the extras in the background because seriously, they'll like look up at him every once in a while and eyeball him. Like, what the fuck? Who is this? Who the fuck does this guy think he is? Like, oh my so god, he's so he is such a rude. What an awful rude man. Having a little bit of too much up the nose, huh? So it's right here where I think that Tony finally fucking gets it. He is given up his, whatever bits of a soul that he ever had for all this, and he realizes <laughs> for what? For fucking what? It's like you said well earlier in the in the podcast, like where we said like uh, you know how money just eats away and makes you forget what's really worthwhile in life i think he finally realizes what he lost yeah but he's so far gone and he knows it <laughs> that he just looks at it with the same kind of apathy and coolness as he would to another gun in his face well, what else can he do at this point exactly Although the real tragedy is, he probably could try to turn himself around almost. If he really oh, wanted to. Oh, he easily to. could, but he has no concept of, of anything else in life. Yeah. It, it's the... Oh, dude. And also, Michelle Pfeiffer, this is probably her moment to shine. Look at the rage at her, man. Jesus. Shit. Oh, man. Dude, for real, the poignancy of this. 
And also, I'd like to rewind back again. James Franco's character in Spring Breakers got this movie on repeat. What's going through <laughs> his mind when shit like this happens? Right. No, seriously. Like, for those people who love fucking Scarface and shit, I actually legit want to know what the hell's going on. Because, look, I know, like, when he's doing, like, these badass gangster shit where he's got a gun to his face and he's like, I don't give a fuck. He's like, I'll fucking tell you. I'll take all your fucking bullets, man. Like, I got nothing. Just, I get that. I get it. I get that that's cool. And I get the attraction to that. But it's scenes like this I want to know what's going through their head. You know? Did you ever... Oh, th yeah, this, this, this whole speech right here. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Oh. Yeah. He's right. That's Is that Amy Poehler's mom? <laughs> I don't know. But I love the discomfort of all these extras. Oh, shit. Uh, 2016 would like a word with you. Although, weirdly enough, Tony Montana probably would have made a better president. <laughs> it's horrible! It's fucking horrible! This is where we are. I hate it. I hate... I need whiskey. <laughs> I mean... Drugs are very profitable. Hey, at least he's got, like, experience with international hey, hey. relations. Hey, and he knows how to do, like, how to scale up on the quick distribution. Would have been perfect for the pandemic response. And at least he would have listened to some of his guys. <laughs> I don't know, as man. Long, like, as long as there was profit in it. Yeah. Uh, you know, at least, at least we probably would have had... And a, a pre if he were if he were uh, if he rose to the White House somehow, despite not being born in this country, um, somehow I feel like uh, um, he would have actively killed someone. <laughs> so it would have been like, oh, it, it would have been we would have become that stupid Simpsons joke where like. Oh, and by the way, the president has been arrested for murder. More on that later. You can tune to another channel if you want to watch that. 
Oh, update. Uh, don't change to another channel. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, shit. Are they in Chicago right now? Uh, I think they said New York. Okay, well, this, yeah, you're right. The setting is in New York, but I think... I don't know. I think because I think I saw some of the, the one of the buildings from Chicago out there. May, maybe they. Oh wait, no, that's definitely Chicago. I can Fair see enough. the yeah. I can see the art museum. I know. Uh, um, I know Michigan Avenue like the back of my hand, man. <laughs> so they must have shot on location in Chicago for this, but uh, they had uh, a little bit of New York as well. Because they had the new one. Oh, shit. Can we just uh, acknowledge how what a bad... Uh, how bad that would look for the cops to have a couple of Budweiser's on the, <laughs> the, the, the dash of the car? <laughs> like, dude, come on. You're... I don't care if it's New York or where... You're going to get, like, a cop, like, look, be like, heckin' sus! And he just says it again. Jesus. Well, the guy's doing coke. I can understand the concern. Uh-huh. Man, when isn't Tony, like, totally hopped up on cocaine? Oh, shit. Okay, so this... This scene really kind of bugs me, but in a way that you might not really expect is that he's like, look, I'll, I'll fucking kill the guy, but I'm not going to kill the kids. Right. Which to me almost feel uh, after everything we see, we, we are what? We are two hours and 17 minutes into this movie. Um, I don't know. Just the fact that he, uh, the character that I've seen so far. He feels like one of those characters that just has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. And because a lot of people like point this out. He's like, oh, Tony does have morals. He's not going to kill a kid. He's got his own set of rules, man. I'm like, dude, if he had any like real set of morals or sympathy, he would have kept Gina fucking out of this life as far away as possible from the right? get go. And I feel like it, this is like the one weak part of the script where they use kids as a cheap ploy. <laughs> well, they, it's because they haven't shown any level of morality previous to this. Like, had they had some baseline established? I guess. I just, it feel, it's the one thing that feels kind of cheap, sort of, in a way. Um, that's the only real criticism I have with the script. Because it's it just it, it just, I don't know it just feels a little too and especially because of after all the shit that he's done, right? But in but in a way I guess that's the other reason why a lot of people weirdly idolize Tony Montana even though they should totally 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 should not. Um, yeah, I it's it. They, they they probably should have just had him kill the guy. 
and the kids and everything because Tony really should not have any redeeming mo qualities whatsoever. Although this, this right here is is right up his his alley for his character, where he's just impulsive, he's just totally impulsive of his actions. Bam! Sh okay, I know it's New York City, but I think someone would notice the giant blood stain right? in the middle of broad daylight. Right? It's almost as implausible as having a black dude in the back of your car and having the gun accidentally go off in the middle of daylight. Oops. <laughs> I shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> what the fuck, man? We've got broad fucking daylight, man. We got to get this car off the road right now. I've seen some shit, man, but... <laughs> shit That's a lot of compounding failure all at yep. once. <laughs> I do is like the a, classic car. Is that is that a Rolls Royce though? I don't think it is. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think it is actually, because the the door the door aesthetic on a Rolls Royce is really dis distinct. Fair. Man, I'm not gonna lie. The uh, even though it's butt ass ugly. This lobby, this iconic lobby, <laughs> is kind of a dope. Is kind of dope. Not gonna lie. Oh shit. <laughs> the fucking coke box, man. And he just dumps the thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so bad. Oh, Lord. I'm almost surprised he didn't just go, Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually kind of surprised that, you know, seeing this uh, kind of performance, he just wouldn't go, Woo! <laughs> oh, he's pissed. 
you know that impulsiveness is really great when you want to rise up but when you fuck with an international crime lord with his finger with uh fingers in, in a lot of different pies and you and you didn't do a job for him dude balls are not the place to be have here you got to get down on your motherfucking knees and you plead your case explicitly right. and pray right, like that see this is he, you know, he started thinking that he was top dog, and it's like, no, nope. Like, <laughs> if you if you want if he wanted to be top dog, he should have been living in Sosa's mansion by now. Well, that's just it. It's like you're not top dog if you are the distribution and seller man. Mm-hmm. You're not producing it. You're selling it. Like you have. You got to be the producer if you want to be the top dog in that business. Yeah, what I mean, basically, what he is the uh, if if Sosa is like a producer, like a, a movie producer, at best, what what's this guy like? Maybe a director? No, uh, he's distribution. He distributes it. Oh, okay. So he. <laughs> so it's like they have to go through him to get what the what the producer made. But the producer still made it. He didn't. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. And that's the last time she would see either of her, her, uh, her offspring alive. That's fucked up, man. Well, yeah, but oh, I mean, Tony's. I mean, that's it. Like, he's a fucked up character. No that's kidding. The whole point. It's like this guy does have like he's smart-ish. He has a bit of street smarts, but he doesn't have a real brain in his head. He is all instinct, honestly. His yeah. instincts can be good. But Jesus Christ, some of those instincts can is is ultimately what gets him killed, man. And yeah. worse, it's what gets um it's what gets Gina killed and his best friend killed. And speaking well, of which uh, well, these are instincts no one should be having. <laughs> no, no. And speaking of Manny, man, the last person he wanted to see with Gina to be fair, he didn't want to see anyone with Gina but himself. Oh, fuck. Although I do really love the reveal, and I also love how it's handheld right now. And it isn't until... Oh, shit. Oh, shit. And she's happy because it's her brother, and she's happy to see her brother. Yep. And you know, this guy should be totally ecstatic that his best friend is with his sister, knowing that he's going to take care of her. But nah, man. If Gina's part of her his world, and if he can't have a huge piece of his world, no one can. Ugh. 
Like, you just killed your best man, like, literally your top lieutenant, who has helped you through everything, who even got you set up in this country. Wait, so this is basically the equivalent of Mike uh, of uh, Trump throwing Mike Pence under the bus? <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. Look, look, I, I can't. It's look, the whole thing is with Donald Trump is literally life before the presidency was not that far from from Tony Montana. It is cocaine and hookers and golf courses and helicopters and it was just nonstop fun. So uh, the only thing missing from here is uh, the guns and murder, which, to be fair, I'm still guessing wasn't that far removed from that hit lifestyle anyway. I, point is, I would not be surprised. But yeah, man. Also, didn't this uh, didn't Macbeth do the same thing to one of his top lieutenants in the towards the final act? Uh, I don't remember. It's been a it's been a hot minute since I've uh, read Macbeth. I haven't read that since high school. And now we are gearing up to the final bloody shootout. Where Sosa sends a fucking army. And that shot, though, I believe, I think right there is the one done by Spielberg. I, I honestly, he did like several shots, actually. Yes, but I think, I think they said the one with the grappling hook specifically was one done by him. Okay. Um, I know he did a couple yeah, of he, other shots. Too. Yeah, he, he was friends with them, stopped by the set one day, and he's just like, hey, you want to do a few shots? He's like, sure. Which is really cool because you know I don't have have uh, Brian De Palma and Spielberg ever collaborated on anything like officially in the past. I don't think I don't or, think officially, but they uh, you know they I know were doing a lot of yeah they're they're friends who were doing a lot of stuff together when they were younger and coming up. So you know they just visit each other's sets and shit because yeah 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 and um I so I imagine well I think it probably was a little bit more than just like two or three shots or whatnot. I actually think that Spielberg might have, uh, I mean, granted, you know, uh, it wasn't until, like, the actual gunfight happened or anything, or at least some of the buildup, but I'd say about a quarter, uh, like a full quarter of the uh, the, the final scene, uh, shootout scene, was directed by Steven Spielberg. Like yeah, I'm pretty sure. I know he, some of the I know some of the opening shots were, but I'd like to think that he actually directed a lot more, but he just went completely uncredited because he's like, no, I'm gonna. This is Brian's movie. I'm gonna just I'll do, direct a few shots because you know we're friends. It's it's cool. It's fun. It's what we do. But ultimately, no, this is gonna be his thing. I'm gonna do and anything that I do is gonna be under his supervision. That sort of thing. So, but I still like to think that Spielberg, like, kind of, but not really co-direct, like, he ghost-directed uh, <laughs> this this final sequence. Oh, man, dude, the Coke stain on his jacket. <laughs> Shit. Which one? All of it. You're gonna, y'all, the war is coming to you, sir, I assure you. 
Um, only in the video game sequel. Sorry, Tony. But oh, this shit right here. Just in a giant fucking mountain of it. You know, I get a lot of people make fun of the nose and think it's funny and whatnot, but honestly, I, all I see in that uh, that coke nose is just despair and uh. it, that it is a white void, Sean. Literally. Yeah. Right there, man. That is the. Sh this is the shot of excess. There should be the, the only thing that's missing is like a couple stacks of a hundred dollar bills. That's <laughs> the only thing that's missing in that shot. Where he's sitting in a giant vanity sh chair with the drugs, the booze, the knives, the guns, the money. All the currency of a horrible, horrible life. You know, I'm actually kind of surprised he doesn't have, like, any uh, uh, peacock or flamingos or pelicans running right. around in his yard. There, There's actually a great line from uh, the original Crow comic where his guy's just like, you would barter for your life with chemicals? <laughs> well, the thing about that is... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, by the way, did you know this mansion was right next door to Richard Nixon's old place? <laughs> just for the, just a really interesting little bit of cameo, man. Like, appar yeah, apparently that mansion was right next door to Richard fucking Nixon. Oh, man. Well, if any fictional character could be close to Nixon, I guess this is a good one. Oh. <laughs> eh? I mean, he's paranoid like Nixon, which is why he has the fucking security cans going 24-7-365. Well, and he certainly doesn't have the uh, the qualms about living around and being involved with terrible people. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that Tony doesn't straight up have an enemies list. <laughs> Although, you know what's really... I think you know what's really sad right here? I think this is when he realizes that uh, if he does have an enemies list, right now he just made the top list. <laughs> I actually, really, that's probably one of my the probably my favorite moments for Tony or Al Pacino acting in the movie, where he just feels like he's having a heart attack after being consumed by all of this. But yeah, man, crackdown begins. Oh, hey, here's the grappling hook shot. So this might oh, actually yeah. be the one. Yeah, right here. Yeah, who knows? Again, I still like to think that Spielberg directed about a quarter of this sequence. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, I did this shot. I did this shot. But again, I no, this is really just Brian De Palma's movie. I'm, I was just there for funsies. Right. <laughs> well, I got to say, man, like, if if Spielberg really did like co-direct <laughs> like co-direct this shit, boy, don't you just oh miss like gosh. how hard all the coke, all don't the you? Coke. Yeah, I know, right, man. But you gotta admit, man, like eighty Spielberg, man, he had edge. 
But no, I, it was just just some of the shots in the, this last fight sequence. That's yeah, it. he was he wasn't doing any of the other stuff here. Oh, dude, this shit right here where Gina is clearly just fucking snapped. Right. <laughs> and again, it's weirdly. I respect this movie a lot because it is so blatantly, shamelessly honest. And it's like, oh, right? yeah, like we're making this explicit. We are not trying to be subtle about this at all. And you know what the most horrifying part is? He's probably got a, like a weird boner right now under that that desk. <laughs> Just ugh. oh fuck, fuck. Damn. You better aim for the head, man. Ow! Okay, I'm really, uh, boy, man, I, I I really hope that didn't graze his artery. I don't think it What's did. What's it matter? Well, that's true, but I. Oh shit! Fuck! Oh damn! Shit. Oh, it, jig is up, man. It's all out war from here on out, man. Oh, fuck. Sosa's coming home. Although, you know what? Uh, the fact that he got shot. Oh, this. Damn. <laughs> Damn. That's some hardcore shit right there. Um, but now the fact that he sh that he got he's still moving like that. He that couldn't have hit his artery. Otherwise, he'd be dead right now. Oh, oh, dude, you're dead in a minute if you're that artery gets severed. Yeah, you're dead. So I guess I uh, missed uh, the artery. This is still creepy. Ah, uh, so bad. Seriously, to like hardcore fans of this movie, I really want to ask, what, 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 what are you, what, what do you guys think of this scene here? Okay, I like, don't want to see. No, I don't want to see the search history for hardcore fans of this movie. Uh, no, no, just hell no. Nah. <laughs> you know, I think even like they, uh, like other movies have tried to dissuade that shit. Like, uh, have you ever heard of the movie called Juice? Uh, it's yeah. with uh, Tupac and uh, Omar Epps. Yeah, great movie. Um, but uh, uh, in the beginning of the movie, I think uh, I think I think it's that movie. Uh, they're watching Scarface and they're like, "See how fucking badass Tony Montana is!" And they point, and one of them has to point out, and he's like, "Yeah, but the dude get, gets fucking killed at the end. Like, right? It's not fucking worth it." <laughs> and I'll, it's amazing that we have other movies to make that point that this movie is already trying to make but we are 
but we fall in love with it for such the wrong reasons that we have other movies to tell us otherwise. Isn't that really weird? A weird phenomenon in art? Yeah. But, you know, it's like, you know, he, he, he made all the wrong choices. Even with an assault of that size, did you pick your point, like, found a choke point, and had your guys on, like, on guard assembled, you probably could have taken this crew, but you didn't. Mm-hmm. If the if these guard if uh, he, these guys didn't take out his guards so quickly and effectively, with right. the amount of cocaine fueled rage that he's got uh, right now, no, nah, I mean one guy against that, no, no, and his no, guys been better organized. That's what I'm saying though, is that if his his guys were better organized and had, you know sl- at least taken a few more uh, like several more out, Tony probably could have made it weirdly made it out uh, out of there. And then, so even though he fired a blank because of how he held it, he still burned his hand. Yep, yep. <laughs> they burned his hand real hard, but that allowed the production team, while he was healing up after Al Pacino burned his hand, they were able to really hone their craft for this end sequence, and it fucking shows. Damn! Boom! Left and right. Boom, down the stairs. Next guy, another one down the stairs. Three of them. Boom. Multi-hit combo. Jesus. So, at the beginning of the movie, if you were actually watching this with the uh, the, count, the bullet and F-bomb counters, this is the sequence that revs up the bullet count. <laughs> <laughs> Just like all the motherfucking bullets get going. Shot again. So he's been shot, what, three times now? Let's actually count how many times this uh, this son of a bitch gets shot. He's been shot three times so far. Two in the shoulders, one each, and one in the leg. Damn. Oh, got to load up another grenade launcher. Boom. I love that actually. <laughs> Just gay! Damn. <laughs> yeah, you don't need an army, you just need a terminator. <laughs> Let's see, F- four, five, six, seven, at least seven times, and number eight, boom, oh, dude, the blood, Jesus Christ. And I love this shot, man. Pans up to his dead corpse where the world is still yours. 
Hey, man, he was right about he was right when he talked to Manny, man. I'm getting the world and everything coming to me. <laughs> and he got it, man. Dude, Jesus Christ. Can't imagine like the the morning after with the cops showing up and be like, "Fuck me." <laughs> Oof. I also love how his steps are in sync with the 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 music, man. I don't know why that does it for me, but it it just kind of does. And then, of course, dedication to Howard Hawks and Ben Height. I'm curious, did you ever see the original 1932 Scarface? I have not. I haven't either, actually. I, I It's been on my list for, for ages, but never really did. Damn, man. What an explosive ending. Probably one of the most explosive and violent endings in a movie, really. Because I... I'm actually hard pressed to think of one that of a movie ending that outdoes the, uh, this movie's ending. I don't know if any comes to to mind for for you. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's it's an outlandish ending, of course, and the ending is largely, I think, why so many people are just like because <gasps> they love this this awesome outlandish ending. But yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people do just fucking fast forward to the like the last 20, 30 minutes of this movie. <laughs> yeah, and that's just it. It's like it's it's a long movie, and, and it, it's there's a lot of just like uh, it's it's understandable why the stuff's in there, but you're just like you gotta really question the pacing. I think that's part of it. Like overall. I enjoy the entirety of The Godfather way more than I enjoy the entirety of this movie. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. That's that's a, right, that's a fair but, thing. And, and that's just it. It's just like, if you're going to have a movie this long, it, it it's hard for to want to come back to it. Yeah, I guess, well, I, I don't know. Because really, like, I never really like to, you know, put it like, oh, this movie's too long or whatever. Like, uh, um granted you, it works i understand what you're saying because the pacing is a little bit slow at times and whatnot um but i never really like to say you know like have like you know length be like a sole issue because like look dude look at lord of the fucking rings man that is a 12 what? and a half hour movie and yet it's one of the best things ever and it holds my attention the entire well, 11 and a half but, hours right but length isn't the issue we're talking about we're talking about pacing yes like the the beats are necessary for what they're trying to show, but there I have to imagine there had to be a quicker way to do some of those beats or get those messages across. Like you think there could have been like a, a two and a half hour cut as opposed to like a two hour and fifty cut? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. And I think this movie sharpened down to a two and a half hour cut probably would play better. I you know what you uh, you know what that I wonder of what the uh, like the uh, the the alternate cuts submitted to the MPAA were like I wonder if they were actually well but like I don't that. but see I don't know if that's because those cuts were doing it to try and cut down on the violent content and stuff I don't think that's where the deficiencies are no 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 I no, really it's... don't you know no. yeah because like we said the violent stuff do doesn't really last that long it's the rest and, of the and movie when you think that about does. it it's like there's a lot and I mean a lot of establishing scenes of him going after the dude's wife like 
Maybe shorten that subplot down a little bit. Like, yeah, because we all know uh, what he's really interested in. <laughs> well, well, right, but like, it's like, but it's like, I'm not saying don't have it. It's there, but it's just like, they spent a lot of time on that. They're, yeah, and you know, you know what's also really fucking weird? Because you're right. Where does she want, where does she go? Like, she leaves that dinner and she never comes back into the movie ever. Right. And. You know, and, and that's just it. It's, it's stuff like that. It's like, okay, um, the, I, I just look at it. I'm like, man, this is not a bad movie, but there has to be a two and a half hour cut of this. Like that, you can lose that, about 10, 15, like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. It, yeah. It, for sure. That, like, like get rid, there has to be 20 minutes that can go. That's all I'm saying. I think so. You know what? I, I think you're right in that. Maybe, uh, maybe someone out there can do like a cool fan cut of it and of that sort of thing just just for the sake of pacing yeah i'm but just it, it's but either way i still think that it's real it's still it's it's still important enough for the cultural zeitgeist i think even though a lot of people take it the wrong way you know because it's it's one of those movies where you're like it were it, it's kind of the same way that i feel about like movies like pulp fiction or whatever is like, yeah, this movie's really great, but the fucking fan base is awful. <laughs> you, you know, I, I mean, I can, I can kind of agree with that. Like, I kind of get where you're coming from there. Yeah. Um, Still, man, like, that soundtrack, uh, fuck yeah. I love all these songs, man, for real. And, and yeah, as I said, like, I don't I don't hate this movie, but, like, I came to it too late. Like, that that's just real. Yeah, I came you, no, to for, this way too late. By the time I got here... Like, there was too much established fandom, too many people praising it up. So, it's overhyped. Everyone's talking about how good it is. And you go and you watch this, and you're just like, eh, okay. Yeah. It's, uh, honestly, I feel the exact same way about uh, The Evil Dead, the original Sam Raimi movie. I watched it, the first time I watched it, I was 24, 25. I should have watched that movie when I was 14. Because if you've watched that movie and you know about you know the angry molesting tree and you know all these things and you know about the uh, you know the iconic final shot like if you know all these things and it's been hyped up it's eh yeah eh. yeah like after like when i've had like a you know 3 4 uh, 4 5 years of college level education in film and experience in it and plus you know my own personal journey in educating myself Seeing, you know, the Evil Dead is kind of a meh experience but, because, but, you know. Okay, it, but see, I while I agree with you, but to me, the point of seeing the Evil Dead is to then see what they, like, okay, it's to me it's a learning experience. And by that I mean it became a cult classic that they then essentially really just remade with Evil Dead 2. And to me that shows here's how you do something on a budget but still make it fun and interesting and here's what you do when you now have a better budget and can do it how you want. You know, I actually haven't seen any of these sequels yet, so now I'm going to have oh, to do yeah. that. Oh, yeah, Evil Dead 2 is basically like the just same fucking movie. Yeah, it's yeah. the same so damn like, movie. So I'm telling you, go watch Evil Dead 2. Having the awareness of Evil Dead 1, you'll be like, oh, shit. And to be fair, like, while he... The, I mean, I enjoy what, you know, um, what the director did, but my gosh... Bruce Campbell, like oh my, like he is, he is great, and he is even better when they're now play doing it to play it up, and so 
You gotta watch two. You gotta watch Army of Darkness. Like, it's so good. I'm gonna have to watch both versions of Army of Darkness because I hear but it like, gets you, crazy. You, right, but like you have to be down for like, let's get goofy. <laughs> well, I kind of already got that when I saw the the first one and I saw Bruce Campbell's just <laughs> face, you know. <laughs> well, but that's also what's kind of funny is like the first one they're like we're making a horror film. The second one they're like <laughs> we're making a horror film. <laughs> you know what? We might have to do that for for next season when we do the Halloween specials. Maybe yeah, we don't not? know. <laughs> I don't see why not. But either way, we're sticking back to to Mob March and uh, yeah, and uh, hope you guys have enjoyed this one. Next week we've got uh, a much less mo- known movie. I actually haven't seen it yet as of this recording. But uh, I'm definitely going to be diving in just about as soon as we're done. Uh, and you might not know it, actually. It's one that's kind of on the DL. This one's not a big classic like the last two that we've done. I, I would argue that this, that, I, I mean, I'm not going to spoil the name of it right now. I would argue that it is indeed a classic, but that you just hadn't been paying attention. Probably. I'm just, I'm just an ass. <laughs> but either way, either way, we will be back next week with another mobster movie. I've been your host, Tim. I've been Sean. And you'll never have to watch a movie alone again. Peace. Peace.